listening to the Legendary Wrestling Obsession Podcast with your hosts, Corey Draper and Jeff Hughes. What a bastard! Didn't know what happened to him there. My word, Anderson can't believe that he's beside himself with anger. And Tully Blanchard is beside himself almost unconscious. Good down-home cheating. Good down-home good down cheating. Sure. Welcome back to another week of the Legendary Wrestling Obsession Podcast. I'm Corey Draper here with Jeff Hughes. It's a special episode, ladies and gentlemen. Mostly gentlemen, we assume. But anyway, ladies <laughs> are welcome here. It's Macho Man Hour and Jake the Snake. And let me just say from the start, like at this point, I was a Jake fanatic. Even though you probably have caught the idea, if you listen to this show, <laughs> that Macho Man is my favorite wrestler. He is. But uh, <laughs> I, you know, came into this one. You no, know. no, you, you've made that pretty clear. Like you're definitely carrying around the Randy banner by doing yeah. all the impressions and stuff like For that, sure. and being excited about them. But but we've certainly time, talked, we've certainly talked about it a lot. Yeah, yeah, you're you're Jake guy. Oh, at the time I was. Oh God, and so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about my favorite match of all time. Yeah, it's awesome. So this is a really neat, cool episode of Saturday's main event. So many things come together in the way it's produced and broadcast, and gives you this the nostalgia feel because it is. The setup, the pre-roll, all that stuff is exactly as I thought all of them were <laughs> in my memory. It's all that way. So it's like a really cool... It deserves more credit, really, actually, I think. Now that we've had a little bit of... Because, you know, we're analyzing things, you know, and gives yeah. us a chance to think. So I quite I, I quite frankly think that this was the warm-up for WrestleMania 3. That's, that's my thought. This is a good spot for it. The things that happened to kind of set up WrestleMania 3 happened right around this time, just slightly after the main pieces, right? You know, we haven't seen the Andre Hogan stuff happen yet, but like Andre's coming back. That's the beginning of it, right? Like the first inkling, as I mentioned, just for five seconds, Andre had an interview in London that he's coming back. And that's really the beginning of the Andre Hogan story. It's just we haven't seen any of the developments of it yet. Well, the strength of my argument is no match for the strength of Andre the Giant. <laughs> That's for sure. So I'll elaborate what I'm trying to get at uh, at the time because I'm maybe I'm talking about matches, but you know matches come from cards after all. So mm-hmm, yeah. I am talking more about specific matches, but extrapolating it to the idea that the Saturday Night's main event having Randy versus Jake, and then WrestleMania three having Randy. versus versus Steamboat. Right. And so I guess there it is. There the cat's out of the bag. I'm, I'm kind of saying like the, the next two, you know, that's people will say that that's the greatest match, you know, a lot. Of, and I'm saying, but this is my favorite. Uh, right. And like, comp- they're so linked. I mean, like, yeah, and and there's almost- always a difference between favorite and best. Like, you know, because yeah. like anyone can have their favorite and best yeah. is subject is subjective. But um, I think people love all of these matches. But I, I do think that this match gets forgotten a lot about over time. People talk a lot about Jake and Randy, but they end up talking a lot about 91 because they sort of this match kind of gets lost if you're a little bit younger than us there's a good chance you never saw these early Saturday main events you might not have partaken in it you might not know it 100% so this is basically the uh, the prequel to the greatest match of all time <laughs> and I don't mean set up but the actual in-ring action and excitement and crowd response the build of uh, Wrestlemania 3 is its own legacy yeah here vir- basically no build and the thing is, look at the timing of it. So from a TV perspective, we see Macho Man smash Ricky Steamboat with that bell on November 22nd. One week later, November 29th, we see Jake and Randy fight. 
Ah, so the crowd is really hot to get but Macho this is Man recorded scalp. before that happened before they see it. So it's like they don't know that. Mm. The, the, this was recorded on <laughs> November fifteenth. It's too confusing. And this the Savage Steamboat thing was recorded earlier than it aired. But unless you're that rare person who was actually at that TV taping, all right. So they don't know it. But anyway, yeah, but they still hate him anyways. <laughs> God, they hate him. I would. It would have been interesting to see what the reaction of the crowd would have been in this match. They already were ending up pro-Jake, as we find out. Imagine how much more pro-Jake and how much hatred there would have been for Randy Savage had this crowd actually seen that Ricky Steamboat footage. Yeah, well, I mean, it's so insane that Jake goes from the last Saturday Night's Main event getting his comeuppance and going down as a heel to Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. And now here he is almost in Ricky Steamboat's stead because he's out with a crushed larynx. Here's Jake giving Randy Savage shit. Yeah. That's crazy turnaround. It is. And we, in our setup show, you know, we covered some snake pits and Jake's being as heel as a heel can be like, you know, with and Hogan long, and Honky and all these people, right? And before long, it's going to be all three of them versus Honky Tonk at Survivor right. Series. That right. blew my mind. I was yeah, like, that was the weirdest one of all. Jake and Steamboat, like. <laughs> How are they not at each other's throats? <laughs> exactly. Like the, the best of 86, you know, blood they didn't really They didn't really do it, but they should they should have set up a moment in that match where there was almost that like where you accidentally walk oh. backwards into your, you know, and then you turn around Duke's up. You oh, know, all, all three. All three of them, yeah. Oh, that would have been the best. Oh, yeah, I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, I I, I could never get that out of my head at yeah. that, that Survivor Series. Honky and his clown, yeah, his, his, his clown show. His, his, don't stand a chance against, like, I liked, I liked uh, that team better than the Hogan team. Of like. course. Jake, Savage, and Steamboat. I mean, and it was like, and, so... And Duggan, so they were like... Yeah. Duggan was pretty protected at that point. He was right. like, he looked like a badass, right. even though you knew he was going to disqualify Well, they were all B-listers to me, you know, I mean, Duggan <laughs> and Beefcake, yeah. compared to that tree. And right. the fact that, yeah, just like take any of these three men, right? Steamboat, Savage, and Jake, and you have magic. Yeah, especially in 87. And like even, well, you know, I, I guess I won't say that. Hogan and Orndorff really uh, are doing fabulous main events. That's right. But, you know, Saturday night's main event, Hogan's not leading this show. I'm just going to go with it right now. Yeah, sure. Hogan's not opening. And I'm now also... Hogan, I think, maybe noticed it. Oh, interesting. He has a few times been second or third on the card. We've seen that before. It's not, this isn't the first time he's not first, but you might be right. Okay. I hadn't del- delved that deeply into my hypothesis. <laughs> I'm all over. So, well, so think of the very, think of the very first Saturday's main event. It opened with a six-man tag. Ah, oh, well, you have pricked my thought balloon. Pop. <laughs> Pop. <laughs> But all the same, let's go down this thought balloon. You know, within moments... Okay, what we don't know is what order the matches were recorded in on the night. uh, Unless we dig into that, but... Well, yeah, assuming that they're posted correctly on the the site that I look at, uh, you can see them. They do actually seem to be in the order on Science Man event that they were recorded in. That is interesting. Okay, so... Sometimes there's other matches before them and after them that are not part of Science Man Mm. event, but yeah. Okay, so then we can take it at face value that Macho Man was not on the last card, so now he's headlining this one with Jake. Yeah, in a way, it's interesting. Yeah, they're wonder, first. Uh, you gotta wonder the the booking with Vince by the pool, you know, <laughs> Pat Patterson and uh, whoever else was around at the time, sitting around, like how they came to the decision of like let's put this on TV. I wonder if that was like NBC was like, hey, like why don't you guys do that? Or like you just gotta wonder where it came from because outside of a couple of local promos where there was only really. 30% of the promo where they they challenge you sort of talk about challenging each other there's no build up to this so like where did this come from it's such a great idea it's unfortunate that there isn't a 
bigger, more reason for the from them to fight. You know? Yeah, there's more. There's, they didn't get a better platform. Like this is an awesome match. No story. But we line. don't. We don't really get a follow up to it. I, there are some. There are it's some matches down the road. It's, it's a, a one off. It's a one off because I mean, obviously, Savage is like really tied up with Steamboat at this point because he just you know they just did that thing. Maybe so. that's part of its gold for me. Is that it's a one off. Just yeah, boom, one and done, and you can't do it better because they're the build for WrestleMania three is part of what makes that it's uh, so famous. That's great, of course. We have covered that. You will get to hear it someday, <laughs> <laughs> maybe next week. <laughs> Jeff and I are going to lock ourselves in a room and finish off some of these uh, Patreon exclusive things that are like five percent away from yeah. being done, but we just can't quite it get to them. It certainly is a one off. But anyway, the, the way that they're chanting for the DDT at the top of this program makes me think Hogan's like. I don't want Jake getting my glory. Yeah, a little bit. I think that's part of it. Can't remember if we talked about this on the show or not, but he, in recent interviews, or it's been, you know, I've seen online, like, quotes saying things like, yeah, we tried it. Uh, it was a graveyard out there, man. And Rubbish. It's like, you know, no. <laughs> like, I was we there don't... in person, <laughs> and I saw them wrestle in Winnipeg. We didn't really mean to do this, but it's, I I couldn't help thinking. In this show, the crowd chanting for that DDT immediately, they are fucking, they're nuts for Jake against yeah. Savage. And, um, you know, these are all parts of what makes this my favorite match of well, all time. Wow, and imagine wrestling where there's a move that you can't kick out of and it actually finishes a match and really gets somebody over. Um, it's un- unheard of in yeah. modern history. I hear mm-hmm. with normal wrestling today, they don't, they don't know how to do this. <laughs> I think, however, uh, I've already, we, we, we're basically almost ready to cover that match, but we haven't done our correction section, so let's take a moment to distract the conversation, and it's going to be brief, but then we'll get back to, I mean, because I could keep talking about, yeah, of course. you know, November 86, Jake versus Macho yeah. Man. We'll I even, you know, their later the feud, I, I even write off their later feud, because I'm a biased, <laughs> stubborn such and sucher that like, no, it's this and nothing. <laughs> For sure. I like the, your, your original correction section with the Tully Blanchard change your ways. Right. That's right. <laughs> okay. So the correction section this week is going to be a bit more just omissions or new things or things that I missed covering. The one thing I will correct is uh, during my rant, <laughs> the British Bulldogs loss in the non-title matchup, I specifically said that the only damage that Dynamite Kid took was the forearm and then the heart attack clothesline and he got pinned, which was absolute rubbish. So he did take a tiny bit more damage, which was the very beginning of the match. They double team him in the corner, but that's where he ends up like punching them both out and they're both laying down. So like, does it really matter? <laughs> like if no. you beat them down to the ground, it's and like... Yeah, the, uh, the British term for uh, rubbish is bollocks. Yeah, there you go. It's all of that and more. Balls. Okay. So I also want to clarify, we were talking about the King of the Ring house shows with Harley Race, and I kind of made mention that the only time the winner of the tournament was the King was, you know, in Harley Race's case, what I'm talking about is pre-pay-per-view. So in 93, they started doing the pay-per-view King of the Ring tournaments for a while, and then they became like a TV show, part of the TV show. But anyways, that stuff forward kind of, that's how the King was determined or whatever was from that 93 on. But in the house shows, the tournament was basically separate from the King storyline on TV, with the exception of Harley Race. But they didn't even acknowledge it in the coronation. It's not like they said hey, you're the king because you won this this house show. They didn't say that at all. He just was declared the king. Okay, that's some good uh, clearance. Clearance sale, clearing things up. <laughs> we were talking about printing style on different people's different uh, outfits and stuff like that. And I was trying to remember what they called it on, you know, Rude's tights, airbrushed. That's like when they like, you know. Okay, yeah. 
Yeah, actually, I saw that the other day because somebody was talking about RBD and their blah, 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 airbrushed yeah, yeah. outfit or whatever you call uh, the RBD style. That's right. Singlet. It's not a singlet. I, I don't know what you call it properly. I, I missed out on a pretty cool looking match. Of course, there's no footage of this, but November 14th in Montreal, the British Bulldogs beat Rick Martel and Tom Zink by DQ. And it's noted that the Bulldogs played heels for the entire match. Ooh, that's so, part of that Dino Bravo effect. That's right. So I cons- I want you to consider this a champion 1986 heel British Bulldogs team. <laughs> wow. Did you say they did- defended the belts there? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's. Well, uh, it's, I am imagining it. That's really fun. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I saw years later, Bulldogs, it was like a dream match. Was it Rock and Roll Express? Yeah, they, yeah. With, when they're and, both like the end of the road. Well, the, yeah. Rock and Roll Express, not the end of the road, because they're, they're on the end of the road right now. They're still wrestling. But uh, 89, that was the end of the, you know, near the end of the Bulldogs run, you know, when yeah. they, were, they weren't, certainly weren't anywhere near the peak. But still, I mean, think about it. it was Rock neat. and Roll Express yeah. versus British Bulldogs in the 80s. Yeah. Any 80s is yeah. like still like, what? Yeah. So yeah. I came across that. It looked like it was in a school gym or something. It didn't look like a big show. Yeah. And I, I thought, but they were in that those white tights. So they it looked yeah. like my Bulldogs. Yeah, that's right. Not like Dynamite Kid later looked like CM Punk. And I was like, oh, wow. Like that's it could very fit, not an ounce of fat on him. But yeah, like, yeah, all yeah. his yeah. muscles were gone. Yeah, yeah, it was lean. He was, yeah. he was down about 40 pounds or something I, like that I, of I muscle. Was, yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. And the Bulldogs were heel in this Rock and Roll Express well, kind match. kind of by the end. I think they started both babyface, but the Bulldogs got frustrated as the match went on. And the big thing happened was that I think it's a time limit draw, and then somebody comes out and restarts the match, and the Bulldogs actually just walk off and give it the old, like, you know, shake their right. hands, you know, wave it off, like, yeah, if I can forget it. <laughs> right. So that's where they're kind of like, yeah, it's the, it's the second, the back half of the match is where they start doing their heel stuff. Uh, we talked about Grella never getting his LJN. So I just uh, wanted to make sure we were correct about that because I know they did make a Vince and a, you know, and a ref and a this and a that. And there's an article that was interviewing this guy. He was a manager, LJN product design manager, Bill Stanhope. And he talks about being at a toy fair where he was intimidated by Gorilla Monsoon and Monsoon's wife. And not that Monsoon was intimidating him intentionally, but he sort of felt intimidated because he's having to take them around and show them to everything knowing that, you know, and, and he knew that Gorilla, Gorilla had made a request that they, you know, make, a, you know, one of his dolls. And it just wasn't in the, you know, in the cards for that year. And then, of course, they stopped having the contract so they never made you know they had stuff in production they had they had production plans or whatever but they never went ahead with them so that's why we never got the gorilla monsoon ljn oh that's a shame yeah and he said the guy said he was really embarrassed because well, for a uh, second there you made it sound like so in revenge like no, he, no, no. he's like you're gonna bully me a big bully i'll make sure you don't get a toy no 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 but he was taking Gorilla and his go wife against around. everything we've heard from <laughs> Bobby the Brain. Don't tell me he's lying. Gorilla Monsoon was a big mean bully. But he mentioned in the article that he basically got caught where he like he was so distracted that he forgot Gorilla's wife's name, and then he has to take them around and introduce them to people. But he's having to like dance around the fact that he doesn't know her name. This LG LJN, LJN um, design manager, yeah, reps guy. That's okay. right. Okay, <laughs> yeah. funny little thing. Boy, yeah, that's awkward. <laughs> That's too bad McGrilla didn't get his toy because, you know, seems like uh, one of the genuine, pure souls of wrestling. Yeah, I'm sure if we look into it, there's other toy companies that have made classic era figures and stuff. So I'm sure there's a Gorilla Monsoon, you know, item out there. Plus there's all those uh, custom ones that people are making at home these days. So I'm sure somebody's made a Gorilla out there. It is interesting to think about, you know, in 1986, you know, try to find a Wolverine toy and forget it. 
you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, now 2023, there's got to be thousands of different people will have made and released a Wolverine, you know? Yeah. Well, maybe not thousands, but hundreds. A lot, yes. Hundreds, a I lot, would think. A lot, a lot, a lot. The first one I can remember was around the time that Secret Wars was made. Yep. And they, they gave released figures. Shield. They gave him a shield. Oh, yeah. What? Wolverine does not carry yeah, a they, shield. And the claws clipped on on the outside around the wrist, yeah. so it was kind of kind of lame. But the, I, the figures themselves are actually pretty cool. But I kind of wish I had it, you know, to The be interesting thing, and I found this out in the last 10, 15, 12 years or something, but that whole comic book series, not to totally change topic, but they, they were, it was part of the toy deal. Like, they, like Secret Wars was created for the toy line, not the other way around. Oh, wow. Well, we sure would like to uh, see more wrestlers play superheroes. <laughs> That's right. Um, John Cena was great in Peacemaker. I liked that a lot. And of course, Randy Savage was in the original Spider-Man. Yeah. I think he got injured in that, unfortunately. They dropped yeah. him on his head, poor guy, because he couldn't turn his neck properly afterwards. Kevin Nash played a thug in one of those uh, Punisher movies. Ah. Yeah. yeah well, they usually pretty do pretty well. Exactly. And if, well, of course, actually, one of the biggest ones is Batista in Guardians of the Galaxy. There you go. Yeah. yeah and the, that's uh, he was one of the in best a, ones. Right, right, right. Okay. So we're on the road to... November 4th, buckle in. It's Saturday night's main event. Let's hear those NBC chimes. Welcome, everyone, to my town, Tinseltown, Hollywood. Yup, swimming pools, movie stars, and Jesse the Body Ventura. It's Saturday night's main event, and the pleasure is all yours. You have to squeeze harder when you squeeze the macho man, Randy Savage. We gotta squeeze the champion's air out of his body. We gotta squeeze the fight out of the man. It's the only way you're gonna squeeze the title off the champion. But we can do it. We got ways to do it. So, macho man, try me if you feel lucky, huh? Come on. <laughs> the next bit of the credits is Macho Man and Elizabeth are in front of Macho Man's robe. is actually stretched out and displayed as kind of a backdrop, which is pretty cool. Um, they're going to do that again with Piper's kilt, actually. It's an interesting <laughs> uh, little thing they did for this particular show. Anyway, uh, Elizabeth is shining the belt. Macho Man is being a dick. Because <laughs> he asks her a question, and as soon as she answers, he's like, Shut up! <laughs> we lose tonight, it's your fault. Your fault. Keep shining that bill. So, uh, get that spot out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely cringy because you know, but uh, he's actually madly in love with this woman behind the scenes. He's devoted, like, uh, with almost a psychotic. He's anyway, so, uh, yes, he yells at her. Too bad we love the show, and uh, we want to see him getting beaten up for yelling at the woman. That's the <laughs> that's whole reason we're here. You yell at a woman, yeah. you're gonna get your ass kicked. So, uh, we like it. <laughs> So we go from Macho Man and Elizabeth to the you know the new to Saturday Night's Main Event, Coco Beware. <laughs> and he's, Strange placement. And he's exactly, and he's he's got he's got his bird, his best friend Frankie, with him, and he's introduced himself as Coco Beware, and this is Frankie Beware. <laughs> that kind of made made me laugh. I don't think I'd ever heard him say Frankie Beware before. Talks about he's got the big man Nikolai Volkov, and he's gonna when he flies tonight, he's gonna drop some bombs <laughs> on him. Yeah, well, you know they say it's good luck when a bird shits on you. I don't know why <laughs> they say that. But um, that's what, you know, came to mind when he's like, I shall fly and drop bombs. I'm imagining he's got that little, little poop patch, you know, like on the pajamas that little kids have, you know. Yeah, yeah. A little flap at the back. That's right. 
And from there, we go to the man who's kind of dominated this series, and that's the Hot Rod. And But it's this, you know, babyface Hot Rod. So he's, as Jeff alluded to, he's got this neat backdrop. And it's yo, his kill. Yeah. Ho- yo, Hot Rod here. <laughs> kind of more friendly, a more friendly Piper coming in. Costumes are doubling as set pieces tonight. That's a neat idea. Somebody had that yeah, idea. Yeah, that was cool because they yeah. just zoomed in. And I'm like, because once I saw that, that was, hey, that's Mancho's cape. And yeah. I'm like, and that's Piper's kilt. That's right. Neat. So he's like, yeah, he's like, I may be the toughest unnamed goat, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he says things like, you know, I need to put your grandmama to bed and go make yourself a bologna sandwich. And talking about how he's going to beat up Bob Orton. And Jimmy Hart calls him the Ichabod Crane of Wrestling in reference to Jimmy Hart. And, uh, yeah, he's just being kind of funny and comical, light. And it's not the crazy manic piper that we've seen at other times. And we'll get a bit more of that as we go. And then we get a neat little edited clip of the Hart Foundation. I'm Jimmy Hart. I'm Brett the Hitman Hart. And I'm Jim the Anvil Nightheart. <laughs> We're the Hart Foundation, and tonight we face the Killer Bees in a tag team elimination bout. Do you know the three best ways to kill a bee? Number one, you can swat them. <laughs> number two, you can spray them. Or number three, you can give them a heart attack. <laughs> Tonight, the Hulkster faces his ultimate challenge. Someday I knew a superhuman like Hercules would come along. The body of a god, the power of all the thunder and lightning in the heavens. Hercules, I accept your challenge. Hercules, I'm ready for you. And what are you going to do when the 24-inch pythons challenge you? Okay, so yeah, yeah they- I was saying that along with them because, like, you know, this is uh, the match, the tape that I probably watched more than any of all my wrestling video collections. So yeah, and since like the, you know, I would go to watch Savage versus Jake, but I wouldn't necessarily fast forward through this little. You know, That's right. Yeah, it's interesting too. A heart on- attack! I knew on- it was coming. Yeah, our little video montage, like, so once the music kicks in, we don't have what we've had for all these other episodes, which is basically three or four different images of Hogan and Piper. Like, they've removed the Hogan-Piper fighting because that's no longer a thing. So now we actually have the roles changed a bit. There's still some familiar pictures, some familiar, you know, moments, clips that are in there. But, you know, we've got to squeeze in new people. We're, you know, we're, we're getting to see, you know, Bob Orton gets a little highlight. He gets a couple of little spots on it. And we get to see, we get to see Coco Beware delivering that Ghostbuster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Shout out to Ron Moore. Yeah, and Morocco's in there stomping the dog while Fuji's holding his arm. It's really weird. It doesn't look like the tag match that they had with Steamboat, but you can see the Saturday's main event banner in the background, so I'm really confused. That might have been a dark match on like a previous Saturday's main event that we didn't see, like the one the dog wasn't on. Maybe him and Morocco had a match, and because it's interesting, you can see the Saturday's main event banner in the background, but definitely did not recognize that footage. So, Or maybe it got edited out of the match. Who knows? But yeah, and you got the Killer Bees are in there, and of course, you know, but we bring it all back full circle to Hulk Hogan flexing, and and then the, the card's going to start. The show will begin. I always think that like Hogan loves this idea of using like Greek mythology in all of his little promos. He starts talking about Hercules in that intro role. Well, he dressed as Hercules for the Halloween show. That's right. The uh, like the third episode. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, it's neat. But yeah, so he kind of gets off his. Looked nothing like, he looked nothing like Hercules. No, exactly. He looked like a centurion. <laughs> exactly, and that's, yeah. You know, but yeah, his promos start getting kind of wild around this era. <laughs> Wait, they, they, I don't know if I said that this at the time. For example, 
Hercules. Hogan had a golden breastplate on, right? Yeah, you should have said it. He should have had like a bear, like you a know, lion skin. Lion skin. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. I did say it. Good. I was yes. on the ball. <laughs> so we're with Vince and Jesse. It is, you know, Los Angeles. It's Jesse's town. It's Hollywood. And Vince lets us know that we're going to see two world championship matches tonight. Um, I don't know what he's talking about because <laughs> the Intercontinental title is no world title. <laughs> Yeah. A little bit of a flub there. (laughs) Botch. Yeah. But Vince takes a crack at Jesse's wig. He's kind of bugging Jesse for his look and, you know, says, oh, you've grown a lot of hair since the last episode. and and Not for the last time. Exactly. Yeah, that goes over quite a few times. He tries the, uh, you might flip your wig line and Jesse gives gives him a hard time back. And he tells him he's not going to dignify his uh, remark with an answer. And then from there, it's time to set it up. We're here. It's right away. It's this top match, and it's coming out right away. So they send it to Mean Gene, and he's going to be interviewing Jake the Snake with Damien. So this is cool because they have an open hallway behind Okerlund, which allows Jake to come around a corner, and Jake doesn't see him coming. And Gene doesn't see him coming. Thank you. Gene does not see Jake coming, so Jake approaches, and then he extends his arm and lets Damien say hello first. <laughs> a little a little sticky lick. Kiss on well, the face for Gene Okerlund. It's the look on Jake's face. He gets about halfway there, and he gives a little pause, and he goes, oh. Like, he realizes, like, I can sneak up on Gene and <laughs> scare him here. So it's like, I love the facial expression Jake uses. He sees the opportunity. Gene just, you know, basically cowers and trembles for the rest of the interview. <laughs> there is one part of this interview that I have never forgotten, uh, but the whole thing is good you know when with jake has always got his um the, the part that i remember is him saying macho man tomorrow morning when they're dry cleaning your hair i don't remember what <laughs> happened after but i rewatched it now he said i'm the one your mama warned you about that's right but uh it was definitely uh he talks ve- about taking what he wants and stuff like that oh yeah and yeah all that stuff yeah yeah, yeah definitely uh, it's all good jake promo stuff and I just love Gene's shaky hands and how, how scared he is the whole time. It's really good. It's just so crazy that, you know, the last Saturday Night's Main event was tying up Jake's feud with Ricky. And then now Boomy's got an icy title shot. They really, uh, against a heel. So heel versus heel. How unusual, but that's what we got. Anyway, uh, it gives Jesse a really uh, good chance to uh, make a Saturday night, the kids have gone to bed (laughs) joke. I don't know if Okerlund was holding a microphone or a vibrator. That's it. (laughs) So they send Gene off to go catch up with the Macho Man and Elizabeth. Same hallway shot. So Macho Man is coming up the hallway with Elizabeth behind Gene. Now Macho Man looks good, except for I'm glad he ditched the collar part. He's yeah, got it this like a vampire kind of thing yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. Like the Count from Sesame Street, or just like <laughs> a really over the top sort of a stiff piece of fabric that yes. is meant to kind of be centered, but it's flopped to one side, so it looks pretty silly. And it didn't work, and I'm glad they abandoned it. Anyway, his uh, robe is pink and orange and, and green, and Mean Gene always wants to talk to Elizabeth. That's right. But Macho Man doesn't like that. He always interrupts. So Gene asks, are you worried about the snake? Like, Shut up, never mind her. Yeah. I'm and he gets in there. Champion. That's right. And he talks about how uh, he's going to make himself a new pair of boots and a belt tonight. And he's like, what, you're going to skin Damien? He goes, I'm going to make a shake skin belt. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> if I don't get some respect, I'm going to make a belt buckle out of you. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth, down that aisle. <laughs> and the 
might be the first the, time we've heard that. Yeah, and the spin, you know, like, and he's, he, he does this big arm, the arms out and the big spin oh, yeah. off Well, he's off always displaying his robe. That's the way to display yeah. your robes, you know, to put your arms parallel, you know, or, yeah. or you know, sticking either way. And eater style, I like to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> arms played. Have you not seen that meme? No, where the ar- so. You know? Oh, it's funny. Like, there's an anteater who's got his arms out as if he's, like, got his robe out and he's trying to display, <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of like, uh, come on, bring it on, you know, arms open wide, kind of like, I'm not yeah. sure what the body language is there, but, uh, you know, got no weapons or take a look, like, I'm not hiding anything, you know, when my arms are right up my right. side, come on, take your best shot kind of thing. So that the first one is like, I'm a fucking anteater. <laughs> and the next one is like a panda with his palms up, like, it's cool, it's cool, I'm a panda. <laughs> And then they have some other character who has like completely ruby red eyes, another animal, right? Like, yeah. and he just, and then he's kind of relaxed and he just says, everybody chill the fuck out. <laughs> so yeah, Macho Man is um, on his way to the ring. Yeah, music playing. Jake is waiting in the ring and this evening he has got red and black are the colors of choice. It is a pair of red tights with a black snake climbing up his leg and he is relaxed as ever laying coiled and well he's you know, laying out but uh he's so coiled i guess is more like a tense yeah, uh, yeah. word like a coiled spring but he's relaxed at the same time <laughs> you know laying down with Sleepy his back snake. on the bottom you know turnbuckle yeah it's like the lazy boys man <laughs> you know he turns the whole right wrestling ring into a lazy boy <laughs> Jake the Snake. And he's also fresh out of the shower, so he's looking slimy, as uh, Jesse puts it. Randy and Elizabeth get into the ring, and Jake makes his way to his feet, and already the crowd is chanting for the DDT. And like I said, yeah, and I bet you Hogan's like, that's it, no way. I'm not putting him over. Did you see the sign in the crowd that said, Elizabeth, how about a real man? Yes, (laughs) yeah. All this stuff is burned in my memory. It's like time travel, Uh, you know, which is why it's fun to go over this and watch it again. So many things are so familiar. So Jake gets on his feet, and uh, Macho Man is doing his usual usual bossing around Elizabeth, but then he takes his eyes off the action and Jake decides to introduce Damien to Elizabeth That's first. Right. <laughs> so Macho Man doesn't like that. A variation he, of Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> uh, that's right. So Macho Man confronts Jake and he's pointing his finger. <laughs> and <laughs> Alec McMahon's on his side. He's going to get him. He's going to, you know, he's like yeah. thinking Macho Man's a hero here. <laughs> he, and then, he's not done with that. Uh, so Jake kind of backs off and turns around, heads back to his corner, only to swing around again and like give Macho Man a big jump scare. Whoa, he, <laughs> he's got to back off and he runs behind and hides behind Elizabeth. <laughs> The classic <laughs> shtick. So Jake's excuse for him. Too. Yeah, no, he's he's just trying to get his robe off. <laughs> That's right. I love it. It is great. So Macho Man's hiding behind his beautiful, innocent, feminine manager Elizabeth, and Jake's like, "Oh, you slimy coward!" <laughs> the look so, of disappointment on his face. I know, and it's so strange because you know Vince is wondering out loud who are the fans going to go for, and how does he imagine people are going to cheer Macho Man when he's hiding <laughs> behind a woman? He knows full well we're going to boo. Him. I mean, you've got to Shielding know. Shielding himself from a 20 foot python. <laughs> exactly. I mean, except for, I guess, the people who are in on it all and realize that he's, you know, a performer, he's yeah. an actor. Yeah. And so, like, then they love Macho Man because, you know, he's not really a coward, not really yeah. hiding behind a Liz. But at the time, I was like, get him, Jake. That's right. <laughs> so it's Dave Hebner who uh, will often 
be uh, called upon to play a key role in storyline and in storylines. And uh, tonight he's got to uh, help Jake put Damien away for the match. So <laughs> his arms are shaking as he's holding right. you know, the big canvas bag for Damien and he drops it. And he bails. Even, yeah. <laughs> but uh, they do eventually get Damien safely stowed away for the match. Eventually, Macho Man does get his robe off and he's wearing a mustard yellow theme tonight. So his okay. uh, boots and his knee pads and his trunks are all mustard yellow. Well, this is classic Macho Man. The pace of this match is awesome. They really cram in a lot of spots, a lot of false finish or, you know, pinfall attempts and that kind of stuff. And and that's why I couldn't help think about WrestleMania 3. So here we go. The the very first thing that happens is Macho Man bounces off the rope and charges at Ma- uh, Jake. But Jake stands his ground and puts up his dukes. So Macho Man comes up short. And... <laughs> and uh, it, and then there's the percussive force of his whole stamping around. And yep. it's, I don't know, for me, iconic. And so then then the two of them, a la the Funk Brothers, they, <laughs> Macho Man goes for the ropes again, and Jake decides to do it too. So he <laughs> bounces. Right. Yeah, we yeah, have yeah. a Funk-worthy, double, synchronized. Double, double <laughs> that's right. And they come back and again, stop short with their dukes up. And then Macho Man, or sorry, Jake kind of like does a little bit of an anteater, puts his hands out like, I got nothing. Come on. What's your excuse? Come on. Come at me. Macho Man decides to point to the crowd almost like he wants to see if there's anybody cheering him and (laughs) no they all want the DDT (laughs) but uh, again Macho Man seems to think like I would have to say the Macho Man as far as you know who the fans are going to go for thinking maybe they would at least just cheer for Elizabeth (laughs) I right yeah well that's the fantastic dynamic they love Liz and they hate how brutal and what a thug Macho Man is towards her Jake's giving Macho Man the matrix come on come on bring it on you know hand gesture you know taunting him and finally we get a collar and elbow lock up not for long macho man grabs jake's arm twists his arm and jake decides to reverse it and macho man doesn't like that so he grabs a big handful of hair at the back (laughs) of jake's head and uses it to yank him right down off his feet onto the mat thump Jake gets right, let doesn't let go of the arm, gets right back up. And so right. Macho Man grabs another big handful of hair and thumps Jake to the canvas. Boom. So Jake gets back on his feet and he decides to grab Macho Man's hair. And he does that. And Macho Man takes the fall, bump That's down right. to the canvas. So this is like sets the tone for what we're going to see a lot. <laughs> They uh, square off and they got their dukes up again. We get another collar and elbow, which Jake manages to translate into a beautiful arm drag. Macho Man takes the bump back on his feet really quick, staring down Jake until he kind of like realizes he's in the wrong corner. Looks down at his feet and there's Damien. Ah, yikes. So we get a great fright bump from Macho Man who like... Yeah, he's, he's like Jake was with the dragon last, last episode. Yeah, very useful angle. So Macho Man points threateningly at the bag. Another collar and elbow results in a standing side headlock by Jake onto the Macho Man. Then he uses this as kind of, um, I don't really know how you quite say it, but like, it's almost like it's a takedown. And like, it's the recipient is, he takes the same movement as if he's at the hip toss, but the other guy is just, you know, a side headlock to a, over his hip, yeah, you know, yeah, yanks yeah. him side down. Headlock, take, side headlock takedown. <laughs> okay. So he ain't got no fancy maneuvers. Nope. <laughs> I said all the right words. That's right. <laughs> and uh, so now they're on the ground. Here we have a rally, to take a term from t- tennis, of Harry Yanks. Where, That's right. That's what I was um, so of, yeah. Jake's got this, you know, side headlock, but they're on the canvas now. And Macho Man grabs Jake's hair to uh, get the leverage and pressure off. and uh, put, put him Jake, on top. <laughs> that's right. And uh, Jake just grabs Macho Man's hair, so then he's got the advantage. That's two. And then Macho Man pulls Jake back, three. Jake pulls Macho Man back, four. And <laughs> one more time for five. Yeah. And this 
is just heal heaven. <laughs> and uh, this also gives a lot of opportunities for Vince to burn Jesse. He's like, oh, it's a good thing you're not in there, Jesse. Oh, real funny, McMahon. Somebody be going home with a souvenir. Yeah, keep it up. I'll make it. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> and uh, I'll pull your hair in a minute. <laughs> Macho Man gets up, but Jake stays in kind of like, you know, the up position of a push-up. So he's still on the ground, like very snake-like, slithery looking up. Macho yeah. Man tries to drop an elbow while Jake's in this kind of uh, position, but Jake avoids it. So Macho Man just hits the canvas. They both get up. Jake snakes his arm around Macho Man's head and he goes for the DDT yeah. and the crowd goes, <laughs> but of course, Macho Man's not having it, and he actually gets out of the ring because he's come so close yeah, to this deadly maneuver. Out of it. I think he kind of drops to get out of it, you know, like so. Before Jake can drop him, he drops himself. <laughs> yeah, gets out of the ring. Jake follows him, and Macho Man gets back into the ring, runs the rope. Jake follows him, but Jake goes down in the old crossover. Macho Man bounces off the rope one more time, but Jake has gotten up and gives him a kick in the midsection. This bends over Macho Man, allowing for Jake's second attempt at a DDT. But no, this time, Macho Man backs Jake into the corner to avoid that deadly finishing maneuver. At this point, Macho Man punches Jake and gives him an Irish rip into the opposite corner, but Jake reverses it. So Macho Man takes a wicked bump into the turnbuckles. Jake charges in and looks like he's going to follow up with a huge, devastating, uh, some kind of attack. But <laughs> Macho lifts his knee about 12 feet in the air for an incredible knee lift that oh, actually looks yeah. like a finisher. It's really good. Yeah, like the impact almost sends Macho Man backwards out of, out of the ring. Like is it, it like when Jake runs into him so hard. It's great. Like Macho Man almost like flies out of the ring. <laughs> so why don't he cover him? He does cover him for a one <laughs> and a two and a kick out. Macho Man, while they're still on their knees, grabs Jake and picks him up and slams his, his face down into the canvas, covers him again for a one and a two. But Jake kicks out. Macho Man gets up and kicks Jake in the head and covers him again for another one and two and a kick out. And during this, it is noted that uh, one of our opening theme song right. classic of, lines. First of three. <laughs> yeah. Something we've been talking about for over 30 years is that made us laugh was Macho. And we, we've uh, included it because we just were so entertained by the exchange where... Basically, Jesse just made us laugh so hard by coming up with this term, good down-home cheating. <laughs> we just see some good technical wrestling. Yeah, that's right. And the shock and horror in Vince McMahon's voice <laughs> when he hears this term uh, has always just delighted us. <laughs> good da good down-home cheating? <laughs> so uh, we now, with great joy in our hearts, yes, present, present to you the full <laughs> clip. So enjoy. <laughs> Yes, that's something you just can't forget, like no. dry cleaning your hair. So that's why we included it in our opener. Yeah. And uh, I guess Jake's also, we'll be getting to it a little bit later, but Jake figures into another opening part of our, uh, another part of our opening. Back to the action. Macho Man delivers a snap mare and then a Pedro knee drop without the clap. That's right. <laughs> for another pinfall attempt. And we get a one and a two. And Jake kicks out. Macho Man picks up Jake to dish out some more punishment. But Jake rallies and punches him in the gut. And then the jaw. 
but it's not enough because Macho Man delivers what these guys describe as a brain buster. We would call it a sort of a bionic elbow if we had right, to Right, yeah, yeah. I've, I've I mean, heard it called a lot that yeah, brain buster elbow kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, but a brain buster is kind of like a ghost buster. For sure, for sure. But when you add the word elbow to it, it's kind of like you're going a different way. <laughs> anyway, yeah. But uh, it's not a pointy Paul Orndorff elbow. No. It's a savage standing elbow to your forehead. Yeah. Then he hits the ropes and does a running double axe handle and goes for another pinfall attempt. And it's a one and a two. Doesn't get him. So Jake struggles to his feet. Macho Man directs him over to the top rope and then leans on Jake the snake while Jake's neck is on the top rope and he chokes him that way, cuts off the air supply. And then when he's weakened, he pushes the rope and slings them back so that Jake goes flying back into the center of the ring. And of course, that gives an opportunity for another cover. And this time, Jake is so beat up, he doesn't kick out. He just takes the advantage to use those long six foot six legs to, <laughs> to put his foot on the ropes. Right. So there, the count is interrupted. Macho Man grabs that foot, makes another com- cover attempt. So he's just relentless. I mean, this is yeah. like six or seven. Now you see why I'm thinking WrestleMania three versus Steamboat. Yes. This is seven pinfall attempts before a TV timeout. That's right. Yeah. You know, so no wonder I was in love with this match. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's so great. So, um, of course, Macho Man does not successfully defeat <laughs> his uh, opponent with his umpteenth pin attempt. <laughs> so Macho Man gets to his feet and he bounces off the ropes for another running double axe handle. And uh, But this only gets him a count of one. So he covers him again and maybe one and a half there. <laughs> so I remember at the time thinking like, by this logic, if he covers him again, he gets two. And then yeah, again, yeah, right. two and a half. And then one more and then three. But at this point, Macho Man decides that uh, maybe enough with the pin attempts. He gives him another standing elbow. Jake receives that. And then Jake rallies and hits Macho Man one, two, three times. But Macho Man is not having it. He gives one more of these brain buster elbows. And then... He ties up Jake a la Andre style because yeah. we are about to go to a TV timeout. So Macho Man has had enough of being distracted by Damien. <laughs> he hops out of the ring, picks up Damien, and I thought he might go backstage. Yeah, yeah we've seen that too another later on. Like yeah. see somebody do that, yeah. Instead, he tosses Damien under the ring, and I, he goes under the ring himself for a second. Uh, you know, a little butt shot for the camera, yeah. for the ladies. And we go to a TV timeout. And the Saturday Night's Main Event banner actually starts falling down in that corner. Macho Man accidentally unhooks it, I guess, like, or something. So it's actually kind of, it doesn't look so good, you know, as far as the presentation goes. When we come back from the television advertisement, Macho Man's up on the apron. He looks over. Jake is still tied up. Helpless. Cannot That's get out. Right. So Macho Man turns around to taunt the crowd, points at the sky, just loving that he's in control. <laughs> Meanwhile... From our camera angle, we can see that Jake, oh, he's out. He releases himself. And then the look on Jake's face, he's just so intense. He's really just, this whole match, he's got this hunger for the title. Yeah, instead of running you know. up to clobber him and knock him off the apron, he's waiting for him to get in. He's like trembling with anticipation. So Macho Man doesn't, the crowd pops. Macho Man <laughs> yeah. doesn't know it. He uh, he thinks he's getting jeers. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So Macho Man goes back into the ring to eat a fabulous big knee lift, yeah. which he sells like a boss. It's so good. Jake's got to go get his best friend. That's right. Damien can't stay down there. <laughs> That's right. This is the best friends episode of Legendary Wrestling Obsession <laughs> and Saturday Night's main event. So Jake goes to get his best friend from Damien from uh, where Macho Man has stowed him under the ring. Jake gets back into the ring. Macho Man gives the snake a shot to the midsection and then an arm ringer and then we get oh boy Georgia Whip with a twist (laughs) which of course uh, in this case a thundering one yeah first Jake warms up loosens him up with a little kick 
Macho Man. And then he gives his own arm ringer. And then what looks like a Moroccan whip, but it doesn't last long because it ends up with a clothesline. A yeah. short arms clothesline is what they call it. Yeah. And we call it the Georgia whip. And <laughs> with, a twist. with a twist if you get the arm ringer first. So this is my second favorite Jake move. Because, of course, it's like basically it's kind of three moves. Yeah. You know, it's an arm ringer, it's a whip, and it's a clothesline. Yeah. So it's it's always so you know a combo, just a great little combo of three moves, you know that yeah. together will just look so special. Yeah, and I think that height difference between Randy and Jake helps too because he's he, Randy's at a perfect like height to take the, his arm, you know, without yeah. Jake having to raise it up. And Jake is quite a tall gentleman. Yes, we get a cover, but Macho Man gets his foot on the ropes. Yeah, these guys are like. They're masters this match of getting their foot on the ropes. There's so many rope breaks because of feet on the ropes. <laughs> mm-hmm. They both get back to their feet. Macho Man is quite dazed, so Jake is able to put him into the DDT position Ooh. again. But no, instead, Jake takes his other arm, puts it over his neck, and so this is the vertical suplex position. Yes. So Macho Man goes up for this vertical suplex, but whoa, wait a minute, a pause, and yeah. then they fall back the way they came yeah, from right. and but macho man's feet don't go down it's not like a roddy piper gonna get a small package they stay in that position and uh even yeah. jesse and vince are like what do you call that a uh, yeah. face smasher or yeah. jesse the front suplex which at the time i that would that may have been the first time i'd seen that move that i can remember was that match mm. well jesse doesn't like it that'll end your hollywood career yeah. real quick <laughs> some of the ladies aren't gonna like that <laughs> So Jake is wagging his finger at Elizabeth, who's uh, always looking dismayed uh, on the outside. Doesn't get involved, doesn't cheat, cheers on Randy, and looks upset. (laughs) (laughs) Looks worried. That's her job. This is why it's a pretty slow cover. Macho Man is very slow to put his foot on the rope after the face smash. So Jake collects that leg, but Macho Man still got a leg. So that one goes on the rope. It's almost like lifting the one leg off, put the other leg on. (laughs) Both legs on the same rope to uh, then. uh, So that's a couple of uh, failed pin attempts by Jake. And but Macho Man is, you know, making it look like he can barely escape by doing these, you know, one foot on the rope and then the other foot on the rope. Jake picks up Macho Man. He gives him a quick left jab and another left jab, another left jab and then a right uppercut. Macho Man is down. And Macho Man pulls an Adrian Adonis and blows snot at Hebner. Boo, gross. Other people got to wrestle in that ring. Yuck. That's right. Jake gives the Macho Man an Irish whip, and he goes for the back body drop. But no, Macho Man kicks Jake. Then Macho Man gives him a side headlock and looks like he's going to give him a punch, kind of like a what you would hide a foreign object shot yeah. if you had one. But it's just a fist. The honky-tonk. Yeah, but Jake blocks the punch. And delivers his own fist to the Macho Man's face. And Macho Man's down. Macho Man back up. <laughs> Jake goes for a DDT. No! This time Macho Man is holding onto the third rope. Yes. And he won't be able to fall victim to uh, another. So it's another thwarted DDT attempt. Oh, the <laughs> crowd is so wanting this. I want it. And so did I. I wanted Jake to win the belt from Macho Man so badly. I was like, get him, get him. <laughs> I, I, I was really fucking crazily cheering for Jake. I, I, I was definitely, you know, man, did I want that way more than I wanted Jake. Um, I didn't really want, I didn't want George the Animal Steel to beat Macho Man. <laughs> no, 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 no. But man, did I want this. <laughs> so because Macho Man avoided the DDT by holding onto the third rope, he basically yanks himself to the side and then on the apron and he goes outside to to collect his thoughts. Jake naturally follows him, so Macho Man hides behind Elizabeth. And, of course, Jake is like, oh, why you dirty? I know what to do. Jake turns around and goes over to uh, get Damien out of the bag. Well, it's a bad idea to turn your back on the Macho Man. Yeah. 
Macho Man runs the 12 feet separating them and does a flying knee into Jake's back, which sends Jake into the steel corner ring post. Yikes. Oh, what a bump. Jake is injured. Macho Man climbs into the ring, and then he climbs to the top rope, and then fingers <laughs> to the sky, he points to the high heavens, and then from 16 feet high up, he comes crashing to the ring floor, no, sorry, not the ring floor, the arena floor, with his patented double axe handle, hits Jake on the back of his head and shoulder blades, and oh man, this is what, my, if, if not his flying elbow, yeah. this is what he's known for, yeah. a double axe handle from the top rope to the floor, looks so good. I actually, when I was in a dinner theater show, uh, I wasn't in the show. I was serving drinks and actually I had a manager role at the time. Another guy, we were all pretending to be superheroes. And I was so, <laughs> such a Macho Man fan at the time that my superhero was Macho Man. <laughs> Another guy was dressed up like the Hulk. Like he was a, a really strong guy and he had like big Luferigno weightlifter muscles. He painted himself green and he was the Hulk. Oh, wow. So I used to give him double flying axe handles. <laughs> and then he would make him drop the- his dinner boat dinner rolls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's pouring somebody's water in your head. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Water all over the people. That is great. I wish we could have done that. No, I waited till he wasn't carrying any plates. Actually, the way that I set it up the first time, it was improv comedy. And I like I was like getting in his face and pointing at him. And then I went to like somebody at the table and I was like Tell him what I'm going to do to him. So like he went over there to listen to that guy. And that's when I went behind him. And I climbed up to another level of the thing. And I climbed up on a banister. And I came down with the double yeah, yeah. flying axe handles. So it's really easy to like hit a guy with that and not hurt him at all. Make it look like yeah, all this damage yeah, yeah, is yeah. being done to him. Should have given him the uh, warrior slaughter savage attack. <laughs> he's, he's coming down the aisle and you come out of some sneaky hiding compartment. A lot more difficult to make that not hurt. But exactly. this was really easy to do safely. <laughs> safely for him. One time I actually rolled my ankle and landed on it oh, and, yeah and uh, I was able to finish my shift but like I was walking with a cane for a bit and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you don't land with both feet flat you can really hurt yourself so yeah of course oops that was my my uh my wrestling injury was when I was doing it in a dinner theater <laughs> that's right so macho man's not done with his double axe handle he throws Jake into the ring and he gives him macho man climbs up to the top rope and delivers another flying yeah. axe handle Inside the ring. Early in the match, I think Jesse says something along the lines of Macho hasn't done anything real Macho Devastation style. So here we go. He's done he's done his he's done the Macho Devastation style now. These are classic parts of Macho Man's offensive arsenal, and they are certainly devastating moves. They look great whenever Macho Man climbs to the third rope. This is what we want from the Macho Man. He can fly because he's not a bigger guy like Sid Vicious who doesn't want to climb the ropes and will hurt himself if he's forced to. (laughs) Did hurt himself when he was forced to. (laughs) But Macho Man's a lighter guy, and you know he's acrobatic and aerial, and uh, we just fucking love it. I forgot to point out that uh, not only is Macho Man good-looking, he's smart. In reference to uh, Jesse's admiration of uh, Macho Man using Jake's attempt to bring out Damien as a high knee opportunity <laughs> to get to, which which preceded these double flying axe handles. So, of course, the one in the ring results in a two count. Macho Man goes up to the top rope one more time and he comes down, but he's gone to the well one too many times and he <laughs> takes a big right hand to the jaw yeah. which leaves Macho Man on his knees and kind of doing this sliding. circular <laughs> swaying sliding like I've never forgotten you yeah, know and like cl- and clutching the jaw like that's right. he's got a broken jaw oh it's just burned into my memory 
Whereas I had forgotten most of the other matches on this card. <laughs> now, Jake, he's not going to the fans. Do you love me? But his his fists are shaking. His yeah, they're yeah. clenched, and he's just like realizing so, his opportunity. Yeah, so he's just trembling with anticipation, and it's really cool because he's so amped up and psyched up. But he's not playing to the crowd. You yeah. know, he's he's they're behind him, and he's psyched up, but he's still a heel. So he's not like, "Are you with me?" He's just like, "Ooh, I want it so bad. I want it." It's just like, <laughs> "Fuck!" It's just great the way he's like turning the fans on without looking for it, without asking for it. Yeah, yeah. Crush coals into diamonds in his fists because <laughs> he's so eager, yeah. you know, to to finish him off and get the belt. Jake punches him with a left and a left and a right. And Macho Man does, you know, something that we see Ric Flair do a lot when he's in trouble is like, you know, kind of. Just knee a guy, a short, quick knee to the midsection. Right. Uh, often, Flair will grab your trunks, pull you towards him, yeah. and lift the knee. Yeah. Macho Man doesn't quite... He looks like he's flailing for the trunks, doesn't really get him, so he just lifts the knee anyway. And uh, because, you know, he's taking these punches like, I don't want to. So he <laughs> does the kind of like the quick table-turning Flair knee to the gut ribs, which Jake sells to the point that he stumbles outside. Uh, Macho Man wants to keep the match in the ring, so he's standing at the ropes and kind of leaning over the top rope but this, by the laws of leverage, it makes it so easy for the other guy to just grab your ankles when he's on the That's floor right. and give a little tug and boom, you topple over. Because, you know, there's a lot of weight a human being puts on a small square area, you know, our feet, if you think about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we're sticks. We're walking sticks, upright sticks. All Every other creature has a lot of, you know, takes up a lot of area. You know what I mean? Like humans are upright snakes, if you will, because like two footprints and a lot of mass, you know. Just, <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, you topple right over when that's what happens. Jake grabs the macho man's ankles and he yanks him outside the ring. That's where Jake delivers a right and a left and a right. Jake realizes he cannot win the title. I'm, you know, supposing he realizes this. <laughs> I'm an impugning motive upon Jake, but if he's got any brains, he knows that he's going to get Macho Man back in the ring. So he does. He throws him into the ring and he follows him, but Macho Man is too quick. And a la a sucker chase, Macho Man's actually dropping an axe handle before Jake can even get in and get back into the fight. Then he boots him three times to the chest because Jake's on his back and Dave Hebner is like, let him get up. So Jake, Jake, <laughs> Dave tries to, Dave Hebner tries to pull Jake, uh, Randy off of Jake. Yeah. And let us so that Jake can get up and continue the match. And Jake, uh, Randy throws Hebner. Jake gets a big right hand or sorry. Macho man del- tries to deliver a big right hand, but it's blocked. And then Jake comes in with a right and a left and a left and a right. This is illegal. Close fists. That's right. So Dave, you know, Dave won't allow Macho Man's boots to Jake's chest. And now Dave will not allow Jake's fists to Macho Man's face. So yeah. Dave's in there. Hey, he's got to play it even, Steven. Break it up, break it up. Macho Man chucked him. So Jake gives him a big shove, a little gentler. Just a, a shove. Well, well actually, wait. But no, no, Dave no. sells it. It's. I mean, okay. Dave, Dave kills himself. Yeah, but that's on Dave. <laughs> okay. Macho Man gave him a throw. You know, like. Even uh, the first one was really violent. Like, for, well, for so that's fun. what I'm saying. Macho Man's a throw. And that looks like you don't have any control. When you somebody shoves you, you if depending on you could simply it depends on how you take it. A yeah. shove, you could simply just take back three paces and not even fall down. Right. A throw, you're down. But so I guess what I was trying to get at is that we still have a hint of uh, Macho Man is doing something even worse because he's yeah. throwing him. And then I mean we've seen lots of faces shove refs. Oh yeah, for sure. But 
You are quite right. Uh, I didn't mean to undersell the bump that Dave takes. <laughs> Dave, Hebner, yes. Dave Hebner takes two of the biggest um, bumps in the entire night, and I, and the biggest bump of the entire night is the yeah. one he's talking about. So the larger point is that Dave Hebner winds up 180 degrees he upside down. He through the ropes and basically lands on, on his, his head. head, kind yeah. of on the side of the apron yeah. and then on the table or whatever. I'm just saying it's not Jake's fault. That was, uh, Dave's, <laughs> that was Dave's choice. I'm like, call the doctors, get an ambulance. I know. It was brilliant. Dave was really great And he gets match. up. I mean, sometimes he just, you breathe on a ref in the road for five minutes and then this guy can take them all. He's going to pile drive him. He's going to get up. So he takes that huge shot, uh, sells that shove like like it's a finishing maneuver. Oh my God. But then he's right back up there calling the match off because yep, like he's yep. the, he's got to, uh, if he's completely knocked out, then the right. match goes on. But that's not the booking. He gets right. up and calls for the, you know, and that's since right. both bad guys have done it, you know, it's equal. And he calls <laughs> yeah, for double you disqualification. Would actually, you would actually think that like Jake should have won by disqualification because there was like five or 10 seconds between the first, like the first infraction should have been enough to, to be a disqualification. You know, like. Quite so. <laughs> anyway, I mean, what an exciting uh, match. And, and we have a little post-match, you yeah, know, drama yeah. to explain. Macho Man goes outside the ring to get a chair and he throws it inside we don't see jake he's off camera but he's headed to his bag macho man goes inside and grabs his chair but dave hebner surviving that killer bump <laughs> is struggling with randy savage with for the chair and like you can't use that and so he's got like macho man's got a hand on hebner's shoulder and another hand on the chair and and uh As he, if hebner hasn't taken enough i thought he's gonna get it with the chair yeah <laughs> And out of frame, Damien has emerged That's and right. Jake has got him out and Jake comes up behind Macho Man and kind of drapes him over Randy Savage's shoulders uh, and doesn't quite get a full, you know, yeah, slither evades, and crawl. He evades it. He just gets yeah. a little, little taste of it. Contact is made. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> Makes him run. <laughs> yeah. And so Macho Man bails out of the ring. Yeah. But he manages to retain his Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship. All those pinfall attempts, all those devastating maneuvers, the only thing... Uh, it, these are, must be the reasons why I never forgot it and why I always, always, I always went back to watch this match yeah. for excitement and drama. And uh, while I cheered Jake, I think that uh, there was never another match that Jake was involved with that hit this level or anybody. Because if it's my favorite match, then by default, there you go. Yeah. But Randy Savage went on to be involved in, in so many more of the my cherished memories like WrestleMania 3. Yeah. And I mean, I, I liked think I was on board by the time WrestleMania 4 came around. I was like, OK, yeah, let's get behind Savage's champ. And yeah. then for WrestleMania 5, I was like, I do. Do not want Hogan taking the belt, <laughs> even though it's so obvious, obvious yeah. that it's going to happen. I yeah. really didn't want it to happen. And then, you know, I was not happy with silly Dusty Rhodes versus Macho Man. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the feud was fine. And to have them wrestle WrestleMania, okay, like making it the tag match was the problem. Yeah. It should have been a singles match. <laughs> but then WrestleMania 7, by the time they'd built the heat between Savage and Warrior, yeah. now we have my favorite angle. So this is my favorite match, but Randy Savage is my favorite wrestler because of the, the five-year angle. That, yeah, yeah. It's not a, a two-month, three-month build. It's no. A, 
It's it's basically his his in, yeah his career. I mean, from his introduction to WrestleMania Seven is one phase yeah. that is my favorite thing about wrestling because it takes so long and, and it gets to incorporate all of these feuds and yes. all of these characters yeah. and Randy going good guy bad guy good guy just like it's it's just yeah it's like you know instead of one book it's like it's like the series you got to get you know yeah, like right. more than one book to know what happens between you know the bidding war for Randy Savage. And then the retirement match between the Ultimate Warrior yeah. at WrestleMania 7. You missed a great moment there with Fink at the end of the match. Oh? Do you remember it? Uh, go on. So Fink's oh, yeah, yeah, announcing, yeah, yeah. but he starts like, because Jake turns around and doesn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so instead of standing in the middle of the ring like he does, he heads to the ropes in the, as he's talking, and he's actually got one leg out. <laughs> and then he's yeah. like, he's like, and his double disqualification, and then he just drops the mic and runs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the audio tape got sped up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really a, that was a good, but yeah, Finkel sells the, and fear the look on as his well. face. Like, he, he yeah. yeah, and so there we have Jake in the ring, beloved but no gold. Which you know, I mean, this image of sums up Jake. Alas, he wouldn't get any titles in the WWF, but he would draw huge amounts of money, sell a lot yeah, of merchandise, yeah. and you know, for on moving forward, he's going to be a, a good guy through these golden years. Yeah. He, in, in for a long stretch, is the gatekeeper yeah. to Hogan. Yeah, And he's so there. he's going to feature prominently on upcoming uh, episodes of Saturday Night's Main Event. You yeah. know, And he also seems to take on the knack of, like, I'm taking on the big guy. Like yep. He has lots of matches and feuds yeah. against the big heavy guys. In 1986, Jake was my favorite wrestler. I think it was a while before my allegiance shifted <laughs> to Macho Man. <laughs> That's right. I sure was frustrated that Jake never got any gold. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be time for our world heavyweight title defense. They're going to go to commercial and it's time for the big match. One last thing about that. Sure. Jake goes and tangles with Sting in, you know, and I thought, oh, at that time I was like. It had a chance. (laughs) Yeah. And had that gone differently, maybe Jake would have been my favorite wrestler. If he'd pulled a kind of of a Rick Rude kind of like, okay, let him start finishing guys clean. Yes. You know, then yeah. then Jake would have been my all time you know, number we one. We can blame for that besides Jake himself, Bill Watts. Watts mm, came over I to control yeah. right around that time, and Jake, Jake hadn't signed his contract yet. He yeah. was offered a big contract. I heard that, and Watts showed up and pulled the pulled that contract off the table. I heard that. That's right. I heard Jake talk about that. Bad timing for him. Yeah, if it had just been literally a couple more weeks of the old yeah. regime, he would have already had the contract signed. Yeah, and we could have gotten a, a, a longer stretch. You know, who knows? I mean, Jake was having his personal issues at the time, but. You know, you didn't know that watching at home, and uh, I'm right. sure we would have gotten a couple of years of WCW, like, good feud stuff with Jake wow. fighting Sting in the Steiners and Steamboat's over there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what could have been. It, it was so exciting to me yeah. when, when when he turned up there. Yeah. And I Could have was, probably ended up with, like, uh, a Jake-Ric Flair feud or something. Oh, and I guess that's why Jake, you know, why he didn't end up being my all-time favorite wrestler is because that was it. Yeah, you would probably um, have to go back to like all the stuff he did before he came to the WWF to you know get some of that other juice, you know, his his stampede in mid South and Georgia. Yeah, and, you well, know, I don't know if I said stuff. it on air, but uh, my eyes popped out of my head the other day when I look at some stampede. Well, when I when I I don't know what I was doing, but having a look at some old Calgary wrestling, you had told me this and I knew it, but like suddenly I'm watching. Big Daddy Ritter yeah. and Jake the Snake in his hospital orderly pants <laughs> and uh, Dynamite Kid looking pretty similar, just younger yeah. and longer hair. Yeah. 
and one other guy who, you know, no offense to him, I just didn't know who he was. Right. He, he was fine and good and well, but I'm looking at, and they, and all three of the, you know, it's a tag match with three out of four of like yeah. WWF golden age heroes. Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. And I'm like, this is Calgary wrestling. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I tuned in when it was the Zodiac and yeah, I, I and, was, I, wa- I, I didn't get to see the best, best stuff of Stampede, but I did get to see a lot of it. And, uh, but I definitely didn't get to see that. Like I was, I was after, you know, Jake and JYD and those guys were gone before I could have, uh, could they were already in the WAF, but the, before I was watching Stampede. Or, or and Davey Boy was, thing. was, um, you know, imagine the Bulldogs feuding against each other. Yes. Well, that's Calgary. Yeah. 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 It's Davey Boy and Brett versus Dynamite. <laughs> Okay. I mean, I only lot, know this yeah. really from magazines. I didn't yeah. even go back and watch. But they, they were a lot. an actual team. Like the Bulldogs became the Bulldogs in Stampede at the very end. And that's when I that's when I got there. My first right. couple of episodes of Stampede Wrestling were the last couple of matches they ever showed to the Bulldogs there. Davy Boy was really scrawny in their matches. Oh yeah, eh? he's like skinny, skinny. Him like you take a picture of Jeff Jarrett as a teenager when he starts wrestling and take a picture of Davy Boy when he first starts wrestling, and yeah, you would be like, How the hell are these guys wrestlers? He looks like he weighs like hundred and seventy pounds. <laughs> and then, you know, 15 years later, Dynamite, you know, becomes... Yeah, yeah. You know, but back then, Dynamite, like you said, looks a lot like he does in the 80s, like for the WWF. So, like, he was so much bigger than Davey Boy. And then over time, you just watch Davey Boy puff up. <laughs> yeah, I found all that out after the golden era, which we're currently in for the Bulldogs, where they're right. the champs. And then I was like, oh, wow, look at this. You know, in their history, they actually feuded and became a team. Yeah. Neat. Here we go. So before we can get to the match, they do a little flashback for us of what we talked about on our last episode, which is Bobby Heenan buying the contract from Slick at the bank. So <laughs> we covered it. We know it. It's good, funny, fun stuff. And that brings us to the interview before the title match. Mean Jeans in the dressing room with a new look Hercules. He's cut his hair. He looks a little bit more cut. He's not quite as cut as his 1987 version, but looking much more cut than the puffier version we were seeing earlier in the year. And he's got these arm bracers on. Heenan's behind him massaging his neck. And Mean Jeans there to do the interview. And in relation to this uh, flashback video we saw, Gene hits him with a little bit of a, apparently your credit's no good, Bobby Heenan. <laughs> Which is a really good Body slam challenge, I am assuming. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Heenan's like, what do you mean? I can go to any bank and snap my fingers like that. And they'll say, yes, Mr. Heenan. What can I do for you, Mr. Heenan? How much would you like, Mr. Heenan? <laughs> so he talks to Hercules saying, you've called this man the smartest manager in the world. And Her- Hercules says, yes, this is the kind of man I want managing my career as the world champion. And of course, Gene's like, now, wait a minute. You haven't won the title yet. And Hercules does the greatest double take, like just so indignant of like the Gene isn't already recognizing him as the champion. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So it continues on. And again, at the end, same kind of thing. Gene questions what's going to happen. And Hercules again gives him another glare like he's going to kill him. It's, it's pretty good. So from there, Gene is now with Hulk. You're on from Hernandez and Heenan. But right now, we're going to take you to mean Gene Oakland who's standing by with World Wrestling Federation champion, Hulk Hogan. With me at this time, the heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan, readying for a title defense tonight against Hercules. And of course, Hulk, it happens on your own home turf here in Southern California. And thank God, Mean Gene, I've got my pump back, man. You know, the pythons are ready, the largest arms in the world. And I'm glad they are because I checked this dude, Hercules, out, man. He's got the body of a god. He even looks like the real Hercules, and he's definitely stronger, man. But I checked the dude out even farther. He could have been a Greek god. He could have been an immortal. 
And you know something, Mean Gene? Since he's guided by Bobby the Weasel Heenan, I've trained for the dude like he was an immoral brother. I've been hanging out in the Garden of Eden with my main squeeze Eve. I dove 20,000 leagues under the sea, 40 nights and 40 days. I hung and bung on the Titanic and Hercules. This is where the power lies. Just the point that I wanted to make, Hulk Hogan. Yes, there will be diverted attentions tonight with the presence of Hercules' new manager, Bobby Heenan. Well, you know, it's the same old story with this weasel man. He keeps throwing them at me, and I keep knocking them down. But you know, Hercules, you're just like everybody else, man. Top shelf you are because you're guided by Bobby the Weasel Heenan. But you're in my way, man. You're on my hit list. And you shall feel the pythons, brother. And when I'm done with you, hopefully I'll get that little weasel in this 24-inch python and squeeze his head. But I'm going to the top of the family, Mean Gene. Hercules, you shall feel the wrath of the pythons. You shall feel the wrath of Hulkamania. This is where the power lies. All right, get ready. Hulk Hogan, a ton of defense. Vince McMahon, let's go back to you. We are all ready. Wait a minute, McMahon. What is this man talking about? This is where the power lies. And he points his finger to the palm of his hand. I don't know, Jess, but I can tell you where the power is. It's right here. This jam-packed arena. Listen to this extraordinary demonstration of Hulkamania. Yeah, Hulkamania, Hulkamania. That's all fun. I think the dude's lost it. I think the man is confused. He is now finally facing a challenger who's just as strong as he is in that ring. What a roar as Hogan points the bad finger at Hercules. I find in these promos, like Hulk talking about Hercules, I talked about at the beginning a little bit, it just it's kind of starts fitting into this narrative of like these crazy Hogan pr- promos where he's hanging and banging in the Garden of Eden and <laughs> the Titanic, and it's just like everything's like, nothing's wrestling, it's all like sort of fat fantasy mythical universe stuff, you know, it's like so far over the top. That's true. They're, they're all, um, looking back, the Hogan interviews now are very, well, they're less than satisfying for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, And the thing that got me as a kid when I'm watching this is, and he says it twice, and you heard it on the clip, he says, this is where the power lies, and he points into the palm of his hand. And I got to tell you, in 1986 watching this, that I was 100% certain, guaranteed, that Hogan was going to debut a claw tonight, that that was going to be like his new finishing maneuver. (laughs) Nice, the Von Erich claw, the Von Raschke. That's right. And looking at all of Hogan's back troubles, maybe he should (laughs) have. Interesting. Could have taken away thousands of leg drops. (laughs) Maybe he was talking about the Vern Gagne rake. (laughs) That's right. This is where the power lies. You know, that's right. Ouch! (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope we get some of that. You know, you let I me mean, as you call the match. I hope to hear some back rakes <laughs> or play, and then we'll all come together. If that's what he does, and uh, <laughs> we saw a lot of that so far, and you know. So when they come back into the arena, Jesse's already calling out Hogan for his crazy promo. Like, what is that fool talking about? <laughs> Which is like perfect again, Jesse telling the truth. Like, yep. what are you doing? So it's the yellow and red Hogan, and so he may sort of be entering this now the fully fur- finished version with the exception of he's got blue knee pads and I noticed that his trunks don't match the color of his shirt and his headband you know like it's going to get to the point where that's all you know the same color up up and he's down he's got blue knee pads here yeah he's got blue knee pads well, yeah and that's not yeah. yes yeah, so he's very close he's just missing that one thing yeah Oh, to Real American, of course. Crowd going crazy. Rips his shirt. All the good stuff. They come into the match. It's going to be a test of strength. Power of Hercules versus the power of the Hulkster. Right. 
Well, so far, we know that Hercules has not been on Saturday night's main event, except for the contract swap, not wrestling. That's right, yeah. He's wrestled Billy Jack Haynes in the Federation already, hasn't he? Yeah, he's had like his Madison Square Garden matches. He's had his squash matches, plenty of them, and he's okay. had some house shows. And I'll touch on that a little bit when the match is over. I'm going to kind okay. of talk about Very well. where, we, where we are with Hercules here right. right now. So they go for the test of strength. And as often the case, the bad guy starts to get the advantage. Hogan's surprisingly being put down on his knees and he's struggling and he's looking to the crowd for help and support. He needs them to get him back up. So he slowly starts getting up. And Jesse's pretty funny because he's like, look at him. He's begging for Hercules to let him up because he's embarrassing him (laughs) or something like that, whatever it is he says. I think I remember being a bit incredulous as a kid thinking Hogan looks stronger than his opponent. Well, he's a much bigger than, you know, he's taller and thicker than Hercules. Hercules is pretty close, though. It's not like he's, you know, it's not like his Piper trying to stand in there with, you know. I was dubious at the time. Yeah. (laughs) So, of course, he reverses fortunes. Now, Hercules is the one who's starting to go down. But aha, uh-huh, before he gets pushed down to his knees, while their hands are still clenched, he rams his forehead into Hulk's stomach or midsection. And he does this neat thing where he keeps holding the wrist locks and he sticks his head underneath Hogan's armpit. And he uses that to lift Hogan and ram him back into the, st- the turnbuckle for a big smash. From there, he uses an elbow smash, a punch, and a second elbow to soften up the champion. Hercules tries to whip Hogan to the corner towards the camera, but Hogan reverses and just destroys him with a clothesline. He just comes in and just flattens Hercules. And he already lo- Hercules looks like he's already done. It's like, you know, it's four in the morning. The bar was closed two hours ago. He's ready for bed. Hogan lands two right hands, but on the second one, you see him shaking it off, and Jesse notes that he hurt his hand on that one. Hogan collects Hercules for a whip to the ropes, misses a clothesline, but then absolutely nails Hercules with his beautiful high knee, super great camera work, like the way Hogan comes and explodes up in the air, gets really good height on it, just drills, looks like he gets him right in the chin, just looks perfect. Here we go. Bobby Heenan's up on the apron. (laughs) (laughs) It's a tag team match. So, of course, this draws Hogan's attention, and that starts the chase to the outside. And it's this great little... I think they go around twice. I think think Heenan makes two full laps, and he's doing this great job of, like, spinning and turning and looking over his back and keeping Hogan within inches without ever actually letting Hogan actually catch him. So he, of course, spills into the ring. He slides under the ropes for what we assume would be the Hercules sucker shot. But it's a weird edit. The camera follows Bobby Heenan, who does the big bail over the top rope on the other side. And when you focus back from a different camera angle, you see Hercules eating a boot. Like, it's, you never saw whether Hercules actually hit Hogan or not. And you don't know if it's a whip or a run or a what. But all of a sudden, Hercules is, you know, it's not going good for him. So Hogan bounces off the ropes and goes to nail him with that really big elbow drop that he does sometimes. But Hercules rolls out of the way, leaving Hogan to crash to the mat. And now he's writhing in pain, and the match can slow down to, like, Hercules pace, because he's always sort of a slower, more plodding kind of wrestler. This has been sort of fast-paced for him (laughs) compared to some of the other matches we've seen. And from there, Hercules gets up on one knees and does this, like, iconic double bicep pose. (laughs) If you're on the WWE Network looking at this episode, that's the uh, picture you see is Hercules doing (laughs) doing the, the biceps. Herc whips Hogan from one corner to the another with a bit of a Moroccan whip, <laughs> it looks like. Okay. It starts as a bit of a Moroccan whip. He gets a second end in there eventually, but right. he's doing a little bit of the Don Morocco. Mm. And Hogan just hits that turnbuckle and collapses back to the mat face first, so he's in real trouble here. So he comes over and he uses the ropes for leverage and balance, and he starts dropping the knee drops, or should I say the shin drops, into Hogan's back. Four of them. <laughs> Razor sharp shin. That's right. Nail him, working him down. These are the kind of shin drops that make, make Greg Gagne proud, you know? <laughs> it's looking good. Yeah. 
this is where Jesse realizes that the ref is Dave Hepner, and he's angered as to why the you know ref is matched. You know, why is he doing it again? He just got clobbered so bad. Why don't they have another ref? Hercules goads Hogan to stand up and fight. He's waving him on. Hogan stands and Hercules locks on a bear hug. And as he's struggling in this bear hug and writhing in pain, Jesse's like, there's your Hulkamania right there. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. From there, once Hogan gets out, Hercules lifts Hogan into a backbreaker from a body slam position. More of a side, you know, gets him on the ribs, but he keeps Hogan bent over his knee and he's applying pressure to weaken his opponent further. He's just holding him there, trying to like torture him. Once Hercules lets him out, he starts walking around the ring and he flicks some of his sweat at Hogan in disgust. Walks around as if he's already won. So this is where Jesse starts to admit it's a mistake not staying on Hogan. This is where Hogan stands, gets back to his feet, and Herc comes up from behind, grabs the trunks, and positions him to lift him into the Hercules Hernandez backbreaker submission. Mm-hmm. And it's just classic look, and he's got him up, and Hogan's writhing. You can see him. You, I could read his lips. He was he was quitting. He said he said I quit. <laughs> Jesse heard him too. Did he? <laughs> no. Oh. But he's shaking his head. He's shaking his hands. To me, he quit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So it's great because Jesse's like, I heard him quit. I heard him quit. <laughs> so, but for some reason, kind of like the Adrian Adonis sleeper thing, Hercules just puts him down. You know, why not hold on to him until the ref tells you to put him down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. So he falls to the mat and here we got Hercules walking around celebrating his title win. So finally, Hebner comes over and yanks Herc's arms down and showing him that he hasn't won, and he's pretty incredulous about it. So Herc threatens to punch the ref, who quickly threatens back that he's going to, you know, send him to the back and DQ him. So Hercules can't do that. So now Hercules shows us that he's going to win the match by pinning Hogan. So he stands over Hogan and he claps himself three times. And I'm thinking like, you're waking him up. (laughs) When wrestlers hear that noise, that's like an alarm clock. That's right. (laughs) Don't do that. Foolishness. That's right. So Herc does finally slowly lay on Hogan for the pin. And this is where you can see like, is I never saw it in any of the other Saturday Night's Men events because he, he often didn't do this type of a kick out. But you see Hogan position his hands for like the push up kick out before Herc yeah. even lays on him. So it's the one, the two, and of course a big kick out. And Hogan rolls up to his knees and with authority he's shaking his head. So Herc comes in and lands a punch to draw the hoof face. And then a second punch to restart the engine. So Hogan starts shaking his head again. <laughs> it's like he wasn't going. Now he is. A third punch to bring Hogan back to his feet. And with full body tremors. Jesse says, this is robbery. The man quit. <laughs> I love it. It's like the match should already be over. A fourth punch gives us a defiant slow head shaking. No, Hogan says. And Hercules starts back- backing off, begging off. But he comes in for that fifth punch. Huge mistake which is blocked, and Hogan unloads three big right hands, uh, bounce off the ropes, and a fourth punch to level the Greek god. Uh, demigod. Demigod. Okay, that's yeah, that's a good, good point. And then Hogan bounces off the alternate ropes to deliver what we call like a running, standy, standing pointy elbow. He kind of runs Hercules over with Dusty Rhodes kind of elbow. Mm-hmm. Looks pretty interesting. So now Hogan grabs the hair, runs Hercules to the far corner for a turnbuckle smash. And he immediately, it's a great camera angle, he immediately runs right back at the camera because the camera's behind this corner. So he runs Hercules all the way, the perp walk, all the way back, gives him another smash. A third time for good charm, but this time when he gets there, it's ten face-altering smashes, one after the other. (laughs) (laughs) Face-altering smashes? (laughs) Hogan gives him like a weak-looking chop, but that drops Hercules down on the mat. Now Hogan wants his own three counts. He's clapping for it. Herc is brought up, whipped to the ropes, and eats the very familiar boot. Hogan runs the ropes at an angle and drops the big leg. And we basically see the early signs of this cookie cutter finish. And we get the one, two, 
three. And this is where Jesse's saying, now I know what he means by the power in his hands. He's got the ref in the palm of his hands. <laughs> Lovely burn. Yeah. Oh, I wish they had given uh, Hercules a dignified out. Where's Heenan to break up the three count? So this is my thing. Like, Heenan made one little in- interference and that was it. And we never saw him again. He didn't do anything. Like, and when it's an Orndorff match, he's like, you know, he's basically tagged me in. <laughs> he's in right. there like four times until yeah. they kick him out. So he definitely, Heenan could have maybe been a bit more involved. You're right that I guess they didn't really care if they disposed of Hercules here. Yeah, poor guy. So here's my thing. Where's the gatekeeper win? What did Hercules do to get this title shot? Yeah. Because like he lost to Ricky Steamboat to WrestleMania 2. He's, I'll tell you as a kid, I totally thought Hercules deserved a title shot because all I got to see was squash matches on TV. He looked deadly. He looked big and powerful and muscular. And and I, all he did was submit guys on TV week after week after week. So fine. But when we start reviewing this and actually looking at the host show results, he's not getting any big wins. Think about in the summer when Paul Orndorff was getting all his title shots. We saw things where he was like, he's pinning Ricky Steamboat. He's pinning Junkyard Dog. He's pinning all these different guys to keep himself as that top, top guy. Yeah. You want to put Hercules here, like at least give him one, like one big win over somebody. Like, Yeah. And also no build. So no it build. was, this is totally. Tony build is that Heenan's his manager now. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Exactly. So how could this compare with the other, you know, match? Well, yeah. actually, that's funny. Well, hang on a second. Here's how. Neither one of them had any build. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> and yet yeah. the other one for me is, you know, such a... This one's mem- okay, but it's just like, again, like Hercules... Like, the other one's so great because those guys are such... Um, they're so equal. This mm-hmm. is like obviously one-sided affair. And like pretty much anyone you're going to put in the ring at this point of the the career is going to be not going equal down to, to Hogan. Hogan. So, and they wanted to start... You know, it's a difference of like... Like I said, like you look at the Bob Orton-Hogan match. You know, Hogan pushed off of the superplex. It didn't actually happen. Orndorff tries the pile driver, he gets back body dropped out of it. Hercules gets his submission on and just lets it go. You know, that's the difference, right? Hogan didn't get out of it, per se, but I would have rather they had Hogan, like, Hercules gets too close to the ropes and Hogan grabs the ropes or something. That would have been better. Mm. I also think that maybe, because they just, Heenan and Hercules just kind of pointed Hogan from across the ring and then just leave. And I thought it would have been kind of neat, maybe, to have, let's say, Orndorff come out at the end of this match and just point at Hogan from the aisle like as they're leaving kind of like collect with the Heenan family and just you know just to kind of obviously establish because during this time period he's still getting all these Hosho matches mostly or Hogan Orndorff and and obviously that's where we're going next is another massive televised Hogan Orndorff uh, match so that would have been kind of cool way to set it up is have Orndorff kind of come out not not to come out and have a big fight or anything but just come out and be like you know like I think that would have been kind of neat I'm glad that he wasn't out there from the beginning, though, because then that would have really taken away from, like, why is Hercules even getting the title shot if uh, if the story's just about Orndorff? But. So I think in my my sense, this kind of broke, this was kind of some of the part of, like, breaking the illusion of that, like, finishers are finishers. Like, I knew Hogan was going to win, but I didn't think Hercules would ever get him in the backbreaker. Mm, okay. If you understand that point. I mean, there's a point now coming up where it's just going to be, like, the whole point is for Hogan to kick out of the finisher <laughs> so he can Hulk up and beat them. But up until this point, it's kind of been more about Hogan avoiding the finisher and then beating them because he's better than them and because he's got all his Hulkamaniacs. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it does remind me of the Adrian spot where why would you let go of the sleeper? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So Jesse, this is the point where Jesse says, we really need to go to instant replay. And what he means by that is actually have like matches decided by instant replay because he's certain that Hogan, you know, submitted and that right. you know, the camera would you know, prove him right. And he calls McMahon the most biased announcer. <laughs> and they go to a commercial break and they say when they come back, 
will be the hot rod. Well, you know, McMahon, I'll tell you something. I think it's a real sad case when a referee can determine the outcome of an athletic event, which is exactly what I'm talking about in the case of this match. I heard Hogan quit, and that idiot, incompetent referee Dave Hebner allowed the match to continue. I know what they mean when he says the power lies in the palm of the hand now. He's got referees and Tunney and everybody in his back pocket. When we got to the WWF, as it were, there were a few things that were kind of iconic, and it was Hogan versus Piper, really, was one of the main draws. And in the even earlier, it was like Richter versus Mula, but that you know <laughs> went away pretty quickly. Some variation of Hogan and Roddy is still with us because just the last Saturday night's main event, Roddy took that big crutch swing at Hogan, you know. <laughs> yeah. So that still looms large. Now, Roddy Piper and Cowboy Bob Orton were cemented and fast friends. This was the one unbreakable bond of the whole shooting match ever since we tuned in to the WWF. The theme that compels people, you know, we're not just tuning in for violence. We're we're tuning in for athletic skill, dramatic storylines, and dramatic storylines are often about betrayal and so friendship gone wrong and that was two two bulls orndorfin and or and piper were like you know two two broncos trapped in a yeah. too small a room and like how could that partnership i mean it, it didn't even survive wrestlemania so right. <laughs> you know but bob orton was there you know backing up piper at wrestlemania yeah and before that he he was at wrestlemania too still piper and orton that's right are still best of friends and so this will therefore be the um summing up and kind of like it there's a little vignette that is about to play and we're, we're gonna play it for you as well where um they, they kind of capture some you know special aspects or angles of, of of brotherly love and friendship and and like some of the good stuff and it made me think about Corey's wish that orton hadn't turned on him on Piper, yeah. instead Orton had turned face, uh, especially when you watch this little video that's coming up, which will follow. Uh, a, a, there's an Orton promo, and then a special little edited song musical montage, uh, a, a tribute to their friendship, and really, it kind of in the broader sense, it's almost this tribute to friendship in general. Yes, and uh, you know, here on Legendary Wrestling Obsession, we've been talking about the friendship between Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan and the friendship that was betrayed between Hogan and Orndorff, you know, and also the friendship between me and uh, co-host here, Corey Draper. <laughs> and so it's a, it was really out of nowhere that this whole thing happened. But we'll start with the first piece, which is Orton is in a restaurant with Jimmy Hart and Jesse Ventura. And, you know, they, they want to explore this angle of two long-standing friends now having to fight each other. Yeah. So... At the restaurant, Cowboy Bob's got no shirt. He got <laughs> That's my favorite part. It's like no shirt, no service. Unless you're Bob Orton. <laughs> That's right. He does have a cowboy hat. That's right. He's, he's, he's uh, respectable. And sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Hart uh, is in full, um, not wrestling gear, but he's managing gear. And uh, Jesse looks like he does on the show. He's got the leather jacket and I think a yellow sort of le- le- leopard print or or you know cheetah or i don't know some right, yeah. big cat <laughs> and i don't really care for his wig because it's not purple or sequins you know I, if it's going to be a wig don't try to make it look real is my right, my yeah. thing anyway mcmahon had enough fun with that already 
So Jesse, you know, says, well, yeah, you two were best of friends for a long time. And Orton goes on, he used me. <laughs> you know, he was a terrible wrestler. He hid behind me. I did all the hard work and we were never friends is the That's idea. Right. <laughs> because all this is set to a song and because it's a musical uh, montage, we want you to hear the music because it's really only 50 seconds. And what yeah. I'm going to do is I'm going to describe what the viewer sees as you listen to uh, the song. So it goes from that interview to, um, you know, our main broadcasters. And, you know, for the sake of it, we're basically going to we'll, we'll play the, uh, the McMahon audio as well. Well, maybe he doesn't have any friends tonight, but at one time, there's no doubt that Orton was very, very close to Rowdy Roddy Piper. How close? Let's find out. The car is AC, baby. <laughs> yeah, I love you. <laughs> He's my bodyguard. So now Orton's holding up Piper's arm with victory, and there's clips of Piper whipping T. Orton holding Mr. T down from WrestleMania 2. Here's another clip of Bob Orton, you know, uh, in his full boxing gear. <laughs> And then, oh, Andre's getting double teamed. Orton's holding Andre's arms. And now, a low point, Katie Kid is getting his hair cut. But still, it's our, you know, two buddies working together. Now, Piper is whispering some advice, but giving a little, little kiss to the cheek of Orton as well. Ooh, now we got a double suplex. Mr. Wonderful goes over Piper and Orton. And finally, in the last clip is... Piper with Orton's hat and he puts it on like he's a king and uh, this uh, video effect closes in around the two of them this heart <laughs> you know and uh, it's it's quick and it's awesome and uh, but the song is fun and uh, and so you know it's great fun now tell me what you about the song because you want to talk about the song Right, yeah. So that that video just kind of gets to me. Jeff already talked about it, but I you know I've already had my my say on this. But it just it just made me want this to not be a thing. I, I wanted something, whether he never turned or he turned back. Like years and years and years and years later, there'll be some sort of a Piper Orton reunion on you know Raw or whatever, like where he's got the cast on again and, <laughs> and they're getting up to some shenanigans. But that's too late. Like you know, I, I would have loved for before Bob Orton left the WF or before Roddy left the WF in like the eighties there the first time. Like, there should have been, like, a fallout with Morocco or something where Piper comes out and kind of picks him back up, you know, <laughs> because, like, it just, it was, they were too good. Like, the partnership was just so great. So, I did want to mention that in the original, original broadcast that the video was played to the song, it's Clarence Clemens' You're a Friend of Mine. And, of course, the network has different music, so... You mean to say that uh, this little clip that I'm watching is not what's on WWE Network? The music is different on, on oh. WWE Network, yeah. Well... We have access to the real music, so yep. we're going to play that. Yeah. Because we got to. Of course. Because of the, the feels that we get. Wow. Well, that's another uh, heartbreaking example of the, the WWF changing our memories. And I wasn't particularly moved by it at the time, but now I do find it. And in a different context, having lived another yeah. 35 years and the concept of friendship, you know, changes over your life. But um, do you have any further thoughts on, on the song? Well, just no, just the video and stuff like that and this whole Piper Orton thing, which is just sort of, let's fast forward a little bit and say, like, we never got a resolution of Andre and Hogan. Like, when Andre did his face turn at the end of his career, 
the very, very end. There was never a moment where Hogan and Andre were in the ring together or walking down the aisle and passing each other. There was never that gla- All they needed to do was like look at each other or like shake hands or something. And that would have been like, oh, you know, like the 70s and 80s and all this stuff like wrapped up. And so this is the same thing I'm saying is like these guys are so iconic together that we never I, I don't care if they did it in 2008 or whatever. When Randy Orton was around, they started doing some of this stuff. So that that's fine that they did it then. But to have done it when they were still in their careers, that would have that would have meant a lot, I think, to wrestling fans. Yeah, well, you got to seize the moment, I think, is uh, another way of putting that. And so what I want you to do, uh, Corey, is I want you to when I for the next couple uh, 30 seconds I want you to play that same song because that song does kind of get you so I'm going to do my own little tribute because you don't want to wait till somebody's dead to do it so I want you to hit that same music for me when here we go hit that music okay so as you know this show is a lot about friendship and uh, since I've been 15 Corey's been there for me he's backed me up and driven me all around the places and been a more loyal and decent friend than anyone I've ever known. And this podcast has been a great chance for us to spend time together. So Draper is my ace cowboy, Bob Orton. <laughs> Orton. And I just got to say, don't you go turn heel on me. You got to <laughs> stay face and I'll do my best to keep uh, keep on the right track as well. So thank you for this podcast and uh, thanks for everything. So then Piper comes out and he's, uh, he's just oh, he's howling mad. He comes busting <laughs> through the doors. And we're going to let you hear that too. Uh, so. With three match, on the heels of that interview with Cowboy Bob Orton, apparently, Rowdy Roddy, there was never any friendship, according to Orton, between you and him. Never any friendship, huh? Never any friendship. Okay, so he says that, and then he's like, "What about the time I set you up with with lovely Lucy, and you had to, and I put a hundred dollar bill?" So he's going on. I pulled you out of the car, the Thunderbird. You were drunk, and you were. And he's just going off, and and then he talks about, um, you know, how it's three on one now. But uh, so yeah, uh, Piper is just on fire, and this time the doors are closed, so it's not a sneak up, but it's just uh, he's talking, he's smacking, he's on like, Adrian Adonis coming in here. Smacks himself on the head. And Don Morocco, you're a big shot. Smack, 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 smack. <laughs> and uh, after that little video, you know, where uh, they end with a little heart and this, uh, on those two, boy, this, this promo's great. So uh, Piper says that shit, and then he gets his uh, no crutches. Of course, all that's long gone. That's the Piper blowing off steam before he goes into the ring. Now, I don't think I'm missing anything else because we come back, and what we have is Piper's in the ring, Orton's in the ring, Morocco's on the apron and Jimmy Hart is outside. And uh, I don't know if I was missing something. You'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but we'll, we'll maybe do that in another little corrections because I'll just carry on and, and go through with the match. So Orton is wearing green trunks and I'm just glad they didn't put him in pink trunks for Adrian exactly. Adonis' yeah, sake. Yeah. That's the only thing I'm glad to say. They spared him that. So that's cool. But Morocco is there with a kilt. So he, that was yeah. his shtick was mocking Piper by yeah. wearing a kilt. And he's also got the, uh, you know, the the no smoking without the cigarette. But something's barred. So probably Piper's pit. I don't know. But he's all about whatever he's wearing. He's mocking Piper. And uh, so it's basically, you know, three guys against Piper. And uh, Jimmy Hart's there with his megaphone. So before the match even starts, you know, we, we come back and, and Vince is saying, we want one on one. Uh, Jesse's saying, no, 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 Morocco's just worried about something that's just not quite right. <laughs> so the bell rings, 
and it looks like a collar and elbow, but basically Morocco's hanging out on the apron, apron as if it's a tag match. He's ready to tag in. So Piper ducks the collar and elbow and takes a big swipe at Morocco. That's right. But Morocco sees it coming, so he just drops to the floor, and and Cat Piper just catches air. And then we have a replay of I think you know if not the last one, a recent Saturday Night's main event, which was uh, the Renta cops getting involved. <laughs> that's at, right. Because he gra- he grabs at Piper's legs again one more time. That's when the ref's like, "That's it, you're out of here." <laughs> like, okay. It looks like Chief Jay Strongbow's got his day job. Yes, I do believe that that we see him. Yeah. Yeah. So they uh, cart. Morocco away and Piper waves him bye bye. And uh, now we can, and, and Orton is telling how dismayed he is that uh, Morocco is being escorted off the uh, <laughs> off the premises. So he's pretty upset about that. Yeah, for sure. I noticed that Orton seemed to have several opportunities to sneak attack Piper there, but he, he didn't, he didn't actually go for it the first several times. He does eventually take a, <laughs> take a shot, but. Uh... Mm-hmm. So they do lock up, but it's a flurry of fists. Piper must throw about 12 or 13 shots. You know, they almost look more like slaps than punches. Yeah, because Piper's uh, waving at Morocco, waving goodbye, and Orton Orton comes in to try and get him from behind, but, like, Piper just evades him, and then, like you said, just starts, like, boxing. (laughs) Just super fast hands. And Piper delivers a bulldog, a very nice bulldog. Oh, my God. Bob Orton's, like, taking of that is, like, he spikes himself like a lawn dart. He's so amazing at taking bumps. It's so awesome. And then he's begging please wait wait holding up his hands like no mercy mercy let's be friends <laughs> i didn't mean it yeah but piper's not having it and he chews on bob orton's forehead and takes a big mouthful of scalp Arr, and he's biting on his head he's biting orton and then he whips him into the corner and Orton does his best. Adrian Adonis upside down, head on the canvas, feet in the air. (laughs) Turnbuckle bump. When he does finally get back onto his feet, Piper does the whole waiting for his moment and does the three stooges poke to the eyeballs. (laughs) So Bob Orton is really, you know, having a hard time. Piper delivers a huge uppercut and then a big right hand that Bob Orton is in the corner. He kind of almost takes the right hand so big that he sits up on the top turnbuckle, <laughs> almost gets there, and then, you know, falls back down to the canvas. So he's really taking Piper's shots really well. We have a huge knee lift by Roddy Piper, and he goes for his first cover. It's a one and a two and a kick out. Piper Irish whips Orton into the ropes, bends over for a back body drop, but no... Orton drops to one knee and punches up and catches Piper kind of under the jaw, under the throat, and gets the advantage. Piper takes this hit and goes down, in fact. So now Orton is able to get some offense. He uh, hits the ropes and comes and lands a running forearm where Piper is still down. So Piper continues to writhe in pain on the mat. Yeah, he'll sell for Orton. <laughs> mm-hmm. Orton stands up, gives him a boot to the head. Piper's in trouble. Then uh, Orton picks him up and, you know, it looks like Orton might be the larger man. It's certainly when I had a little bit of a look in their 2005 footage. Yeah, yeah. Orton is dwarfing Piper. I think Piper shrunk quite a bit. Yes, that's right. So... It made me wonder, I wonder who's the bigger guy here. They look pretty equal, actually, I got to say. But anyway, Orton picks up Piper and gives him a real gut buster drop on his knee. That's right. This is where Gorilla Monsoon would be calling him the excellence of execution. Ah, okay. (laughs) If he was on commentary. This leads to a two count, but no, Piper is not going to get beaten by a gut buster. Or maybe Jesse says that later. So I may have, uh, you know, gotten a little bit mixed up on where. But after the gut buster, there's a two count. Orton gives Piper an elbow, goes for another cover and gets two. But that gets kicked out of as well. Bob backs into the corner and then he goes for another elbow, but he misses. And Piper kind of stumbles and gets 
his arms tied up by Jimmy Hart, who's jumped up onto the apron. <laughs> so this looks like an opportunity for Cowboy Bob. So he runs over for a big right fist haymaker, but Piper manages to get out of the way. And whoa, Orton is able to stop himself and prevent him and to not hit Jimmy Hart. <laughs> so while Orton is just kind of like, whoa, Jimmy, I almost got you there. <laughs> Piper is lacing his fingers together for that kind of double club position. And Cowboy Bob turns around to eat this blow and stammers into Jimmy Hart. <laughs> Staggers into Jimmy Hart, knocking him off the apron. Then, as sort of Bob Orton is like looking at Jimmy and like, oh no, I just, you know, bashed my manager under the floor. Piper gets behind him, rolls him up for the one, two, three. And the match is over in like a Three minutes. Very yeah, quick it's match. Very quick match, yeah. Yep. My guess is as we move forward, there's probably some, you know, Philly or New York cards of Piper versus Orton that are like 15, 20 minutes. That'd be a, Hopefully. a better showing than that. Yeah. Piper does his kind of trademark celebration of like putting his hands to his, you know, temples and then, you know, yep. throwing his hands out straight that's again. Right. And uh, my, it's almost like I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Jesse says, well, don't worry because Don Morocco and Adrian Adonis are waiting in the wings. That's right. <laughs> so uh, let's see thoughts on this match. Where, uh, yeah, I, I, I hope that they got along. I, I kind of wish that Orton got a little better treatment. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I'm sure if we look in the coming months, there's got to be, you know, a Philly, a Boston, a New York card where they have a proper match, mm-hmm. you know. He, but he's being presented as like the weakest of these three. Yeah, he's like the throwaway when really, if you think about it, he should be, other than maybe Adrian, like, I, and I know Morocco, it's funny to say because status-wise, Morocco's achieved the most in the WWF out of the three of these guys, so it's hard to say he's the third, but yeah, he certainly, Orton shouldn't be presented as some sort of throwaway lackey because it's, I, maybe they didn't play, I mean, they did here in this card, they played into the storyline of the background of the two but yeah it seems like it's kind of a no-go they also do things like ignore the fact that piper and morocco have already fought <laughs> jesse's like morocco's waiting in the rings and we we, we covered a match last week by right. morocco so but as far as adrian he ha- that will be uh, like a wrestlemania will yeah be that's when- the big build is like yeah. you know this is really like if you- end of the summer of 86 until march of 87 is this piper adrian long and it's in theory a gatekeeper type of push for adrian because at one point Adrian was supposed to chase Hogan for the title. Yeah. Whereas that was not really in the Morocco cards and certainly not in the Bob Orton cards. Yeah. Not as a, you know. They got what they got. They got Saturday Night event matches. They got um, host show matches. Yeah. I, you know, it's hard to say what, where would, it, I, it would be hard for Adrian to get, he, I could see him getting a similar treatment, like a bunch of host show matches and a Saturday Night event. There's only so many WrestleManias to go around. Yeah. So I don't see Adrian, you know, headlining WrestleMania. So. <laughs> right. He just didn't get his title shot at Hogan on a main event. That's right. Yeah. He's missing that. And the other guys did. That's right. Yeah. And, they did. and if you're going to feud with Piper, it's to one end to, you know, if you succeed, move past him and go to Hogan. Right. At this point, it would seem more so that they're building Piper than anybody else. So if you're feuding with Piper, it's to build Piper. <laughs> right. And yet that didn't go anywhere. There was no more. At this point. What they should have done was build a Piper Hogan feud that was promised yeah. when we tuned into WWF That's in right. 1984 or five. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So as bad, to, especially since they were both so popular, right? That's right. Well, the, like I said, at that Piper's Pit that we covered on the last show that, you know, it was sort of this tease of this idea that like once they've cleared the deck of all the foes in their way, they're going to meet at the end of the roads. These two different roads are going to converge. Oh, uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, like, even, yeah, even better, like face and, you know, without Piper betraying him. Yeah, it's right? just a face face because yeah. they've already done a lot of heel 
face, and, yeah. uh, you know, heel face Hogan Piper. That's, you know, there's been enough of that that it's not unique, whereas face face would be unique. Although I don't know how you get out of there without what's, and Piper's still not going to take the three count and Hogan's no. not going to let himself lose. So I don't know. So as they head to commercial, we see the bees entering the ring. And when we come back, as we do on so many of these shows, we get a second Roddy Piper interview and he's with Mean Gene. Piper definitely has come down. I guess he's out of Coke. And uh, <laughs> it's cool, though. It's a different pace and uh, mood. He's just taking the athletic tape off his wrists. And Mean Gene says, you must be pleased with yeah, your performance. sitting, not standing. <laughs> yeah. Piper goes on to say, well, you know, he's a bit reflective and uh, almost philosophical. Basically, he says, not too pleased. You know, I got all these problems, all these guys, you know. Still hit me in the head. And this guy still right. hit me in the head. And he likes to call Morocco Fat Albert. Yeah. You know, Gene goes on to say, well, you know, you sure are getting a lot of cheers and you clearly never went out to win a popularity contest, but it appears you have. Piper's lack of belligerence makes the whole thing seem a bit more believable for a second, like he's actually being interviewed instead of That's cutting right. a promo. Yeah. yeah. He goes on to say these sincere things. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, he gives the whole, I don't know, I was voted to most likely to marry the cheerleading team or something like that, and he makes all these jokes, but I think it was... He loves to throw than, winks and kisses. Yes, he? he does. He does. <laughs> but going back to the beginning of the promo, like when he was, he was kind of reflective, as you said. He looked a little sad. I, I, I liked it. I thought he could have added in, like instead of saying just like the things like they're still hitting the head. I would have, you know, if he would have said like, I wow. still, don't, I still don't have my friend. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Like, well, well, that's that what, a, you know, it was what was unsaid. He yeah. said it with yeah, his body said, language. Yeah, he said it by not saying it and stuff like that. Yeah, so, his yeah, tone of voice, cool. body language, and yeah. we he didn't put the specific words to it, but that's exactly what we're seeing as a yeah. as, you know, a kind of heartbroken warrior, wounded warrior. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 different than like his usual crazy dump a glass of coke on his head and yeah. like you know freak out. Ah, you know, he ends with a good little <laughs> joke. Um, what did he say? Oh yeah, like when I'm he say he said when, I know, when I'm good. There you go. I'm good. When I'm bad, I, I'm better. Exactly. <laughs> and he gives, like you said, a little, you know, yeah, <laughs> a little exactly. kiss. <laughs> That's right. It was actually Pepsi on the head. Pepsi on the head. Okay, Coke yeah. up the nose, Pepsi okay. on the head. <laughs> <laughs> That's how, that's, that's right. oh, I'm sorry, Piper family. Everybody, that's a, that's everybody was partying in those days. Yeah, I don't mean right. to pick on Piper. Him. He's one of our favorites. We that's love him. Exactly. It don't matter no more to me. You see, it don't matter tonight. I take care of Orton, you see? Because I was rowdy before rowdy was cool. Ah. Okay, we're back for this, what they're calling a tag team elimination match. They say it a few times. They don't explain themselves. I don't know what that means. When I was a kid, I actually thought it meant they had to pin both guys, you know, so I was expecting some sort of Survivor Series style match, but of course that's not the case. I think they're referring, of course, to the, you know, like contendership or something like that, but it's pretty silly. Poor choice of words. <laughs> exactly. So again, it's the Pink and Black Heart Foundation. They they're uh, they got their new gear on, their hot gear that's driving everybody mad. Hot pink. So Vince is going to throw it back earlier when Mean Gene was with the heels. So Mean Gene talks to him and says, well, man, if you defeat the Killer Bees tonight, you're going to be that much closer to a title shot at the British Bulldogs. And I'm like, what? I was watching TV this morning and just watched the Heart Foundation beat the British Bulldogs. So what do you mean? Like, why, why do they need to beat the... The bees to get a title shot? Did, didn't they just beat the champs? Bad booking. <laughs> yeah, so we'll touch on that afterwards. So once we're in the match, Brunzel and Brett are start first. They lock up a couple times uneventful, and it's a stalemate. On the second lockup, Brett slips in a knee. Brett lands some blows and does an Irish whip. 
on a huge miss of a clothesline, Brunzel really picks up speed and delivers the second of the night. Great high knee, probably the best of the night. And my computer actually paused accidentally on that spot, and it's just amazing. Like a still photo of it just looks incredible. He's really good at it. So Jim gets an arm drag and gets a tag in the corner, wrist control. Blair goes to the second rope, and we see a little bit of that B action. He's winding up his arms, pretty silly. Comes in, nails that exposed arm. They keep arm control, and then the, the wildest impress set promo is going to happen that you've ever seen. So now they bring in Gene. He's with the bees, and they have their masks on. So while the match is going on, they're doing a promo, and they're talking about what's going to happen tonight. And the whole shtick is they're both trying to pretend they're both Brian Blair. So Mean Gene's like, well, you must be Jim Brunzel, and back and forth. And But while that's going on, there's this really frantic action happening in the ring between the wrestlers, and the promo box is trying to like move out of the way of the action it's like actually zigzagging across the screen and as they move and there's there's reversals and reverse roll-ups for for pins and kickouts and all this stuff and it's pretty funny i, I don't recall ever seeing it again had you ever seen that before no i had not seen a moving <laughs> promo inset box it was pretty silly like in a way so uh, anyway it probably funny. wasn't so much that they were trying to show the action in the ring as they were trying to like wait when gene turns the other guy then you must be in the can <laughs> yeah, and then the box that, moves yeah. and then yeah. he moves turns the other guy but you said you were and it moves back but it could have been a bit of you know trying to just show up the action in the ring instead that's right so it all ends with this reverse uh, roll up by Brett he gets reversed into a two count he kicks out stands up tags in Jim Neidhart Anvil comes in and gets arm dragged immediately and he's controlled into the corner for a little tag team so they double whip him and they give him the double back elbow so the big Neidhart goes down to the ground pretty hard Brunzel controls the wrist until Neidhart's able to push him off the ropes he does a drop down and here's where we get the cheaty outside action really good camera work Bret Hart sort of uses the ropes like as if he's uh, doing like the Rey Mysterio like the you know, he's kick he does the knee to the back and he kind of he's comes from off camera and he uses the ropes to swing to get his like legs there yeah, so it's really I can nice picture it. yeah it's really good so that really that really nails them. They quickly go into a little bit of a you know tag team move here. They do the demolisher, as I kind of refer to it, even though they were doing it long before demolition was even a thing. But it's easier to just say that and let people know what that is. So the over Jim's knee and uh, Bret Hart with the, the second the, rope the, elbow. You know, the, the heart demolisher. The heart demolisher. Like the yeah. triple cheeseburger with bacon. And Jimmy's loving it on the megaphone. Come on, baby. So the ref is out of position, though. So the delayed, uh, you know, there's a two count, but it's, the ref might have got the three if he was there. So Brett immediately tries for a second pin because he knows how close he was. But it's the same result, a two count. There's a tag to Jim, and Brett holds Brunzel by the hair and kind of holds him out as if, I don't know, like he's holding a target or something. And Jim Neider comes in and does that awesome standing drop kick. <laughs> that's why we need the masks, so they that's can't right. grab that hair. That's right. <laughs> they might just grab the mask, but I love Anvil's uh, drop kick. He had really good height and everything on it, especially from just, a, you know, he didn't get a running one. It's just like a standing one. So Anvil's using a chin lock that Brunzel begins to elbow out of. As that McMahon starts talking about, uh, you know, the new outfits, the new pink, this is Anvil tags Brett before Brunzel can escape his grip. So Brett with a double team punch and then a headbutt. Brunzel throws a punch but eats a kick from above. So he's on his knees just weakly fighting back and he you know, he can't do it. The Hart Foundation have too much momentum here. Bret Hart just starts choking Jim, Jim Brunzel in the corner right in front of the ref. He's not even pretending. So as soon as the ref comes to take him away, Neidhart uses that opportunity to use the tag rope to choke him from behind. So Blair's had enough. So Blair comes in but all that does is distract the ref more. So now you have Bret Hart holding his legs up. So they're doing the double team choke with the tag rope, holding the legs up you know i love it <laughs> the kitchen sink is in there they got Who's it all getting choked uh that would be brunzel anvil's tag in and he comes in for a does a slam where he puts he picks up it's not a slam pardon me but a lift where he lifts jim brunzel in the air and then drops him throat first over the ropes and hebner again is drawn away right away and like 
Brett's just lightning quick. The moment Jim Brunzel hits the ground, Bret Hart from the outside is on his throat, like stepping on his throat. So it's just a lot of good double team cheating Whoa, going on here. Nasty cheaters. Yep. And then Anvil goes over and slaps Blair to further draw him in. Just more double teaming. Anvil does a backbreaker and then throws Brunzel. He gets just thrown very hard outside of the ring. Like he takes a hard spill on the mat. So at this point, Blair comes over to the outside to check on him as they head to commercial. When they come back, Brunzel can be seen climbing up the, onto the apron, crawling back, awaiting Hitman. He's just waiting for him. But this is where Brunzel finally gets a little something. He gets a shot in and does a sunset flip from the outside to the inside. And Hart slowly trying to, you know, grab some invisible rope or, you know, something he can hold onto a handle. But he goes back for a two count. But of course, Brett's able to kick out and he's up quicker to his feet than his opponent. So he's able to give him the boot. He brings back in the big man, the anvil, and he's he's in yapping and grabbing Brunzel by his hair. But he's kind of leaving himself open. So that's when Brunzel starts landing these body shots one after the other. But he's able to, anvil's able to cut that off get him in a front face lock. And that leaves Brunzel trying desperately to push the bigger, much larger man into his own corner for a tag. But he's not able to. Anvil's able to muscle him all the way back to his corner. And he tags in Bret Hart. There's just a weak punch from Brunzel. But he, but once Bret Hart goes for a uppercut, forearm uppercut, Brunzel's able to catch it and do its reversal and get a backslide for a two count. Then here it comes. This is what I've been waiting for watching this whole match. There's a push off. And Brunzel does a drop down. Bret Hart comes off the ropes and eats the Jim Brunzel dropkick. Best in the world. Best in the world. But he's super exhausted and super tired, so he's just he looks as hurt as Bret Hart does. So they're both down. The camera work was really incredible on it. It was really good. Yeah, a lot of people, when a, when a dropkick is done weekly, you're like, oh, <laughs> it takes the magic out of it. That's right. <laughs> but a good dropkick, actually, when these, these guys get so good at it that they actually... When it goes wrong, yeah. they can break noses and jaws. That's right. They can really hurt somebody for sure. So both men are down, like I said, and Brett does get the tag to Anvil, and Brett's also able to distract the ref, so he misses the tag to Blair. So we're just building more desperation here for Brunzel. He's really been beaten on a lot. He can't get out. So the ref is pushing Blair out while they both just choke Brunzi, and then they throw him out of the ring real hard, both of them together. But I'm like, where's where's the heart attack? Like, he's so beaten up. Just like, why didn't they just, fit? like, while the ref was distracted, why didn't they just... Pick him up for the heart attack and finish him. Like Jimmy Hart, come on, do your come job. On, Jimmy. You gotta be thinking about <laughs> this. It's a stuff. strategy here. Come on. And at that point, Anvil blindsides Blair by running over and charging and punching him when he's not looking and knocking him off the apron. So the heels are, you know, celebrating in the ring, and Blair takes this opportunity to crawl around the ring to the outside to Brunzel on the floor as they scuttle under the ring and start hiding their faces, and we know where this is going. Damien's under there. That's what exactly what Jesse says. Jesse says, they're looking for Damien. <laughs> <laughs> so these uh, good guys do a little bit of heel tactics by putting on their cheaty masks, and they do this illegal switch. So now Blair starts climbing into the ring as if he's Brunzel. And of course, he doesn't even think to sell it at all. Like, Anvil throws one punch, immediately blocked. <laughs> and then Blair starts kicking their ass. So it's pretty good. He gets in lots of punches, starts just going to town. And then he even goes over to Brett. Brett's not looking, and Blair just pops him in the face and knocks him down to the apron. And then he runs over and does what I call a jumping bee bump. You know what I mean? Where he jumps up in the air and does like the reverse butt bump bump. <laughs> yeah, as if he had a stinger. Yeah, exactly. A little bee sting. <laughs> Trouble is... The bee dies once it stings. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's multiple kicks uh, to Nightheart's gut and then a blind reverse kick to like Brett. So like basically he's kicking Anvil in the corner. Brett comes up behind him. So without even really turning around, he does like a reverse kick into his stomach. And then Bret Hart misses a punch and spins around, which leads to Blair giving him an atomic drop, sending him into the bee's corner. So Bret Hart's going to suffer that sonic attack. Jim, Jim, Jim Brunzel clap. gives him the clap on right. the ears. Yep. 
which really knocks him for a loop. You clap your hands and the guy gets his, your biceps. On That's his right. <laughs> exactly. So Blair whips Anvil, at this point, Blair whips Anvil into this stunned sleepwalking Bret Hart who's like going across the ring. It's pretty funny. And Bret takes this huge spill backwards out of the ring. You think he kind of falls in the timekeeper's table or something or near it. Looks pretty nasty. We're back in the ring and Blair has applied a sleeper on the Anvil. So Anvil seems to be fading. He's down on one knee. So at this point, Brett gets up and just with J- Jimmy gets him and he goes over to the top rope. He scales that top rope to attack from behind. And for some reason, Brunzel comes in immediately like distracting the ref, which allows Bret Hart to legally <laughs> come off the ropes where they can't see any nails Blair from behind. Dave Hepner does catch Bret Hart still in the ring. So now he's got to escort him out, which gives Brunzel the opportunity to come in, roll Blair out and lay down in his place. He doesn't just go to town. You know, he, he pretends he's... He's, he pretends he's that injured Blair who was pretending he was the injured Brunzel. So, right. <laughs> gotta, gotta, fair gotta, play. Gotta stay with That's, it. <laughs> yeah. So, for some reason, they show Bret Hart once the camera angle changes. He's he's taunting the crowd. He's not looking at the ring. He he hasn't seen this switch. He doesn't know what's happened. He's distracted by the ref, distracted by the crowd. So, he gets a tag f- from Anvil, who was crawling over from the sleeper. So, he comes in, goes to pick him up to lay down more abuse on the bees and, you know, hopefully get a win. And that's where Jim Brunzel locks up the small package for the one, two, three. Wow. So the first thing I'm going to say is, here's your Saturday Night's Main Event win for the Bees. <laughs> there, was, right. you know, there was several episodes ago, I remember you mentioned that going, like, I don't really remember them winning on Saturday Night's Main Event. Well, here's one. Um, My God, I think that on the same card that I watched so, I, <laughs> obviously, obviously my uh, meals weren't that big. I would watch exactly. Jake versus Randy <laughs> be done eating. and like, get so far. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so yeah so Jesse's pretty disgusted with the whole thing and the bees of course they take off right away and take off their masks and Hart and, he- and Hebner are shoving and yelling in the ring and that's pretty good watching Jimmy and Dave Hebner have a little physical showdown is pretty great but so it just again to go back to this whole idea of like how are the Hart Foundation not already number one contenders so I went and looked at the details and that non-title match between the Bulldogs and the Hart Foundation was recorded not aired so it, it aired on the 20 29th it was recorded on the 19th Saturday Night's Main Event was recorded on the 15th. So I think that they didn't know. I'm wondering what changed. Something might have come up to change the booking where they decided to go ahead with this Heart Foundation Bulldogs angle after the fact so they don't know about it when they record this. Because think about it, with where that's going, why would the Heart Foundation be losing on Saturday Night's Main Event to like another team the same day they like win like this non-title match to set them up for their title match? Like it does. And- Weird does not compute <laughs> makes the bulldogs look uh, really bad <laughs> yeah the bees are like let us at them <laughs> by exactly default champions <laughs> and every time we see things like where the bees do win these matches to like get a title shot like when the bulldogs champion they never get they never get a shot like mm, wow i would have liked that killer bees versus the bulldogs would have been neat yeah like a lot of these matches just that that good guy versus good guy Okay, so we got a newcomer to Saturday night's main event so we got a couple of interviews to set it up it's going to be the birdman versus the russian well, we get a promo with Mean Gene and Coco Beware. <laughs> and uh, I had seen Coco in the wrestling mags, I think, fighting Jerry Lawler, like even like some scaffold matches that didn't look quite as bad as the Road Warriors versus right. the Midnight Express, but certainly it caught my attention. Anyway, he's fighting Nikolai Volkov. So uh, Coco's got, for one thing, he's doing his bird dance the whole time. <laughs> That's right, just bouncing the whole time. Yeah. And Frankie's there, probably getting a little motion sick. Yeah. And and covering his own face for most of the promo with the bird, you know, like yeah, he's, he's behind the bird, <laughs> right? 
And so Mean Gene starts talking about, uh, you know, going to Russia. Coco Beware is like, oh, yeah, going around the world, taking my excitement and energy all around the world. And then he uh, he was planning on dropping bombs on, uh, on <laughs> yes. Volkov. And it's a different kind of bomb. <laughs> I alluded to it. Looks like I was on the right track. Yes. You know what Frankie's going to do when we go to Moscow? <laughs> Leningrad. <laughs> Chernobyl. <laughs> but I thought to me, like, so Coco, what, you're going to hold it in? And like the whole time you're traveling Russia, what are you going to do? You're not going to crap on your, you know, three-week tour? Well, it's more like Frankie's not going to crap. <laughs> well, I, you know, Frankie's going to poop all over Russia. And, you know, so Coco will be constipated then because... <laughs> Anyway, so I was worried we wouldn't get a Nikolai Volkov promo because we cut to him in the ring with Slick. Slick's got a cast on, so he's injured. Volkov's letting his hair grow. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little little thicker. His hair's thicker than Macho Man's. (laughs) And he sings his anthem. It gets to cut himself off. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't even know why. I'm not sure. Well, actually, it did sound like a producer... It was listening to the commentators and Volkov and somebody like a third party that we don't know of was like, oh, McMahon said time, you know, I didn't, whatever McMahon said, maybe yeah, said, okay, yeah. cut Volkov's mic or something or, or just, you know, I'm not sure if Volkov stopped or. Yeah, it's hard to tell, mic. but yeah, he seems to just stop. Yeah. Yeah. So Coco Beware makes his entrance and they are playing a song that's not yet recorded. More meddling. Yeah. Pile driver, which is coming up down the road instead of his regional bird, the, you know, bird, bird, bird. Dun, right. Bird, bird. To this day, I still see a jackhammer construction workers breaking up concrete and think about pile driver. <laughs> the album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And think that, and then think, oh, he's holding a pile driver, but no <laughs> piles are, you know, huge shafts that get rammed into the earth to give large high rises stability. Yep. And you can hear a pile driver at work from blocks away That's right, yeah. because they need such a heavy weight to, to the, the pile itself has to be right. something that can move earth and withstand yeah. these crazy blows. So it's made out of a, you know, concrete and metal and that's not going to shatter when it's yep. smashed. And so, you know, some kind of massive industrial weight is dropped on the pile to drive it deep into the earth so you can build buildings. <laughs> but i always look at, you know, the, the jackhammer that a guy will hold, you know, that's and right. like, do, 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 you know, and he'll vibrate while he's breaking up the sidewalk. And I think that's a pile driver. It's not a pile driver. No, that's a jackhammer. <laughs> WWF messed me up for life. Yeah. So yeah, the song hasn't been written, but he's dancing he his way. Do it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he makes his way into the ring. Frankie is safely put on a perch, I assume. Of course. Yes. And uh, there's no collar and elbow. Nikolai Volkov rushes him. Yeah, starts, sl- Slick is kind of distracting him, I think. Yeah. yeah. He's hammering him and kicking him and punching him. And Volkov starts off with quite a bit of offense. That's right. Yeah. Frankie, or rather. Uh, Frankie. <laughs> Frankie starts flying and right. pooping on Volkov, yeah. as promised. <laughs> There's back and forth. So, you know, it, it's all Volkov for, you know, a, a, quite a few spots. Yeah. Now, how does... Uh, Coco, Coco does a, uh, he gets, he's in the corner and it's like he flips over Volkov and ends up behind him. And then he starts doing like his. Oh, his, is that when he's sitting on his shoulder blades? No, no, that's coming up. So he's okay. getting his punches off. He's a right and a left and a right and a left. And he's doing all this stuff. And there is just an insane spot that Jeff is referencing, like where he just jumps up on Volkov. I don't know what it's supposed to be or how it's well, supposed to work. You, you know, lots of time we'll, we'll see, you know, the crisscross where the guy Irish grips somebody else. And then as the guy's coming at you, for some reason, you just decide to jump over him. 
Yeah. You know, the other guy has to duck. Yes, right. <laughs> you know, and when it goes wrong, a guy could like nut the other guy with That's the right. head if he doesn't the, duck. If the the Barry Windham, Dr. Yeah. Death. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So this is a case where somehow like if you, it wasn't a crisscross, but basically imagine like you timed it badly and you came down before the guy was really actually past you yeah. and you ended up sitting on his shoulders, like your butt on his shoulders. <laughs> like, so Coco does a weird climb and slide and sit down. And he, when he's sitting on Volkov, he does a little bird art and yeah, flappies. Yeah. It's so think of a victory roll like where you're getting like almost a piggyback ride not a piggyback but you're sitting up on someone's shoulders right except for Coco's facing the other way so he's like he's like sitting on the back of Volkov's head with like his legs somehow underneath his armpit and his arms and he's as Jeff alludes to he starts like flapping but he does not have the leverage or the motion to like do any kind of a move so he just starts slowly leaning back (laughs) and then Volkov just has to like go with it and do some sort of a weird flip and it's and Jesse even alludes to it he's like I don't know how much damage that did right yeah, more like acrobatic throwing, but no percussive big thump. Yeah, you know? it looked like Volkov could have just like basically powerbombed him because he like, you know, he could have just slammed Coco down on his yeah, back. Yeah, it, 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 it was pretty, you had to stretch your imagination to see how Coco was totally. in control of 313 Russian pounds, <laughs> making him do somersaults and magical air That's flips. right. Pretty weird. So what happens to get to this fabulous... So they, so they, well, they land, Coco lands a couple of big drop kicks and those are really good. And then he, he eventually ends up going from the inside, not the outside, but he goes up to the second rope and then the top rope. And he does this awesome missile drop kick off the top rope. Looks great. And, and he thought, goes oh. for the three count, but yeah. Volkov kicks out strong. And I thought, oh, oh, we're going to, he's going to get poffoed. We're, we're going <laughs> to poffo Coco Beware <laughs> here. Quite. And then Volkov does a pretty funny looking uh, reverse spin kick <laughs> to take advantage. Yeah. And he's, Coco's tougher than Kirshner though, because he, he drops Coco over the top rope of the throat like he did Kirshner, but uh, Coco's got a lot of fight left in him. So the match is not over when he does that. Volkov does one of his military presses. Ah, yeah. Which really stretches those chunks. Yeah, but he's got him up really high, slams him down on the knee, goes for the three count, but he lifts up his head. He, he's going for more punishment. He right. doesn't want to pin him. And McMahon's like, oh, I could, you know, he could have had him and yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Volkov takes Coco's shoulders off the mat. And like, and, yeah. And he gives, he gives Coco a weird looking slam. And then he, for some reason, Slick needs his attention. Right. Not a very good booking, but Volkov in control distracts himself. <laughs> Goes and stands there and talks forever. Yeah. And then Coco Beware takes advantage of this, you know, sneaks behind, kind of like puts one arm up between his legs and then pushes him backwards and over Coco for basically, oops, I went way off mic there. Like a cradle, School, yeah. yeah. Schoolboy roll up or something. Exactly. And yeah. gets the one, two, three clean. Oh That's my goodness, right. it's Volkov who got poffoed. That's oh. right. And the funny thing is that Jesse's, he's got a handful of tights and you can see Coco's hands are like on Volkov's wrists basically. <laughs> like they're nowhere near his pants. So it's great. Yeah. Jesse's accusing him of holding the tights when he's nowhere near it. My memory of this match is that Coco won it with a Ghostbuster, that he Ghostbustered Nikolai. Wow. And that is not the case at all. Nope. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too bad. Like as you said, we don't often don't get to see the premier talent do their finishing maneuvers yeah, on right. each other. Yeah. That was when like the notable absence in the uh main car, uh, match was that Savage didn't even go for his flying elbow. That's right. So that and would be Jake no- tried the DDT but never got it. Oh, he tried could it over you, and over and over and over. Could you imagine a, a match of that stature in today's wrestling where neither person like let's pretend Savage and Jake were current wrestlers in 2023. There's this big televised match between them for a title and neither of them got their special move off. Like that just yeah. doesn't happen in today's wrestling. Seems like today they would each get uh, all of them, <laughs> you know, two or three successful yeah. finishers Savage and get would kick out of two or three DDTs. And, right. uh, 
Yeah. Jake would kick out a five elbow drop. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we've got to hear from the champ, the Hulkster. Jesse sends us over to that by saying, let's go to the biggest stooge of them all. The biggest stooge of all, the Hulk. All right, back in the dressing room with heavyweight champion Hulk Hogan. Tremendous victory, by the way, champ, earlier on tonight. However, critic Jesse Ventura thought he might have seen a flaw or two, some weaknesses. Well, you know me, Gene, a lot of the things Jesse the Body Ventura sees, he completely misinterprets. If you talk about weaknesses, man, he's dead wrong. What Jesse Ventura saw was a man of equal strength, a man of equal wrestling ability. But Hercules, one thing, brother... The deck's stacked in my favor, brother, because when the goings gets rough, all I do is reach out for those thousands upon thousands of Hulkamaniacs, man, and they turn me from a mere mortal man into Superman, brother. Anybody that gets in my way, any of the Heenan family, any of them dudes, man, the big old wheels of Hulkamania are going to grind you and eat you alive. Even though the Hulkster won't be here forever, Hulkamania is going to live forever. No doubt about it. Still heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan. And back to you, Vince. Thanks. Words of wisdom from the champion, Hulk Hogan. And you wait, you wait just a minute, McMahon. Why is it that that little wimp, Oakland, always throws everything to you? I got something to say. Of course he's going to stay champion of the world. He's got all those referees riding right in his hip pocket, riding right along with Hulkamania. We got one mat- last match left, and that's the magnificent Morocco versus Dick Slater. Now, this is the match that I just don't remember being on this card. If you'd asked me like a month ago, I would have been able to list off all five mat the first five matches because normally Saturday's main, main event has five matches, but this one's got six. <laughs> it's got well, this- I'll, I'll see you're forgetting he was on this card and tell you I forgot that he was in the Federation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dick Slater. Wow. <laughs> so we got Slater coming out to the ring with his flag around his neck. And they were the- trying to get into that Dukes of Hazzard, yeah, I'm telling the, you. The jean vest. And then we go to Fuji and Morocco, and they're with Gene. And they ask Mister, they ask Morocco why he wanted this match with Dick Slater, and he says there's two reasons. And one was to watch that lunatic Roddy Roddy Piper and look out for his friend Bob Orton and Mister Fuji and all that. What was the second reason? Well, we like that Rebel Redneck song. And at this point, Don Morocco starts clapping and doing a little dance, and Mister Fuji sings sings the song. Second reason is because we like that Rebel Redneck song. Hit it, Mister Fuji. I wish I were in the land of cotton. Old time, they were never forgotten. Look away, look away, look away, Dick. Could be the magnificent one is underestimating the rebel Dick Slater. We'll soon see. They go to commercial break, and when they come back, the match is in progress. We're going to keep this real short. So Morocco's smashing the back of Slater's head into the turnbuckle. Don hammers away with several blows. There's a Morocco whip. We get to see it to the corner. Leads to several more blows. Morocco here tries a fireman's carry, but Slater slides behind for a rolling cradle for a two count. Now Dick is going to work with big right hands and an elbow smash and then a back elbow off a whip. Morocco does this great hurt face. He's like, ooh, he looks like he's eating something real sour. He's sitting on the ground hurting real bad. That's where McMahon calls him. He's a hurting puppy. Slater goes up to the top for his big elbow brainbuster smash. And then the cover is too close to the ropes. So Fuji places Don's foot on the ropes for him. And Slater is too distracted by this. So he turns his back to protest to him. Morocco and Slater end up locking up. And there's a headlock. Morocco pushes him off and does a drop down. And the ref, the ref obviously maneuvers himself to put himself where he can't see Fuji do this big blatant trip with his cane. And Slater takes like a big face plant off at a huge bump. I've never seen a trip do so much damage. Slater looks like he's taking a finishing maneuver. The trip. 
his memorable moment that's in the right WWF. <laughs> so morocco comes in for this elbow drop but slater actually is hurt as he as he manages to roll out of the way both men slowly rise to their feet it's kind of strange slater turns his back for a second when he turns around morocco catches him with like basically a two-step charging clothesline drops on him and pins him for the one two three wow it's a really quick a easy match quick clothesline yeah it was a strange so let's just wrap up this whole thing just when i saw this match i'm kind of like okay so we had the first one was the double dq that totally made sense we get a hogan finish the hogan leg boot like boot leg drop all that fine then we basically get a series of sort of non pen you know like we get a roll-up from behind on Orton. We get a small, sneaky small package. We get a roll-up from behind on Volkov. And then we get this weird clothesline finish, which is different. But right. like... Well, it wasn't actually a small package in this case. Uh, no, 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 it wasn't. It was no. a clothesline. So I'm saying like, so we got three sneaky pins. Right. And then we have one normal pin, but it's like this this weird random clothesline. Like, why couldn't Don Morocco pick up... Slater and pile drive him like his front pile driver, his finisher, and get it. Like, why can't we see a finisher here? Like, I wonder, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's worse pre- to we're, uh, we're not to, protecting Slater here. <laughs> no, and that makes Slater look worse that he goes down to a non finisher. Yeah, exactly. It'd be better if Morocco he got distracted by Fuji and then Morocco gets hits him with a pile driver. Man, that's not that's if you don't use your finisher, that's he's got a that's a career finisher when you <laughs> take a you know, well, pin. I, I do think it's neat to kind of break it up and be like it, the match isn't always gonna, you know, we saw you know, Hogan pinned. Terry Funk with a clothesline, but I mean, that was a very different situation. And I just like, when you look at the, 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 let's say the cadence of the card, the beats, the music, the way the music's being played, you know, like you need a little bit of everything. And it seems like there wasn't a lot of, they didn't go for a strong finish, you know, other than Hogan's. Yeah. I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, uh, that's the end of uh, Slater's rise to the top. Yeah, I don't know when it is he actually departs, but we know he wasn't around long, so I'm, I'm sure he shows up on some other house, you know, but who knows? This could even be his last one. We'll find out when we start looking at cards going forward. So they go to commercial, they come back, and Vince tells us that Coco Beware was flying high, and the bees were out to sting the Heart Foundation. He calls the Jake and Randy match sensational, and asks Jesse about that Piper victory over Bob Orton. Jesse calls it a hollow victory and warns that warns that Piper still has to face Morocco and a new Adrian Adonis. And then he, he accuses and says, Hulk Hogan is tying out. The man is getting weaker. <laughs> and McMahon makes a disgusted face at that. He doesn't like that. They go to another commercial. And we come back, we get our final sign-off. And Jesse reminds everyone that it's his town. He's the big star. And McMahon tells us that they'll see us next on New Year's weekend for the next Saturday Night's main event. And if it's anything like last year, it'll be bikinis and beachwear and yeah, suntan right. lotion. <laughs> Here's my thing with this particular card. Uh, it was, again, one of the first three Saturday Night's main events that I taped. So I taped the October, this card, the November one, and then the January one. And that was my magical tape that I October? watched over and over. Yeah, there was an October Saturday Night's main event, the Bulldogs. That's it, two it or three. Was that quickly. Wow. October, October November. November. Yeah, they did that the year before as well. They went October, November. Okay. Yeah. I had these. T- I had this tape, and the, the reason I watched this tape the most because I didn't have a lot of my other stuff yet. It was probably around end of 86, beginning of 87, I think is when somebody showed me how to hook up two VCRs, <laughs> and I started building uh-huh. that collection. Yeah. So by the time you get to, like, let's say, 88, I've got a, a ton of tapes, and now I'm rotating through a lot of different cards, a lot of different Coliseum videos. There's been more WrestleMania. As you get into 88, you're starting to get, you know, Survivor Series and SummerSlam and Royal Rumble and all this stuff. I, I, but this tape would still get watched over and over and over again. But the the demise of this tape, <laughs> foolish stripper. So we were a house that had several TVs and VCRs. There was like, you know, in the basement and the living room upstairs, my parents' bedroom, you know, blah, blah, blah. So 
I would dominate the downstairs basement watching wrestling all the time and everyone would get really sick of me because I was watching literally the same thing over and over again and they were just like it's like a toddler that watches the same cartoon over and over again or something it's just like you know they wouldn't want you watching it so I remember I had was watching in my parents bedroom and I forgot the tape I left it in the machine and my mom has preset recordings for soap operas and they taped over the November Saturday's main event Guiding light <laughs> wiped out Jake versus. <laughs> now this is nineteen. This is nineteen ninety. So I've had it for four years. I've seen it a hundred oh, times. Okay. So it wasn't like it was taken away right away. Yeah. But I, you know, but I, but it was. Oh, that was a stinging pain. Like of just like yeah. you idiot. I was so mad at myself. Like I knew, I knew she had setting settings and stuff like that. But your kid, you get distracted. And, sure. And yeah. Heartbreaking. Light. This portion is presented by new improved zest. Only new Zest gets you zestfully clean. And by Cascade, both regular and lemon scent Cascade leave your dishes virtually spotless. For me, it was, you know, I think one of the, what YouTube now is. Like, you know, I got a sandwich. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not going to necessarily, for me, I, I don't have my TV really I, I don't watch a lot of tv but i do go on the computer a lot so yeah. you know i watch stuff on i guess youtube you know and uh with my sandwiches and so when i was 14 years old and i had a sandwich i was like let's watch macho man versus a snake <laughs> so i watched it over and over and over again i had forgotten maybe my maybe i didn't have enough space on my tape to record the morocco slater because you know I, I wasn't necessarily always beginning at the start of a tape so that could explain why I have no memories of the end of the program. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I have very distinct distinct memories of uh, this match. But also, looking back, there's a reason we love the Bulldogs. They brought them in like Superman times two. Yeah, that's right. And there was a reason that this match caught my attention. And like all those pinfalls and all those power moves. And, uh, you know, no rest yeah, holds. Yeah, the drama of it all. Like, and just, they seem like such great characters, just so over the top. You just can't, can't match it now. So it was yep. the best, it was the best of times. <laughs> yes, it was my favorite match. Okay. We're going to take one little break and then we'll be back to wrap up the show. The last week or so has been a little bit sad in the wrestling community. So one of our favorites and a guy that we've really come to love over these months of doing this podcast, I always liked the wrestler, but oh boy, I like him so much more now. And we had the passing of Terry Funk. Yes, indeed. His horse got sick up in heaven. That's right. He finally gets to go see his horse. <laughs> That's right. It turns out that there's a big veterinary hospital in heaven and uh, Terry Funk's horses needed him. We hope. Yeah. I saw... Uh, his last birthday, I think it was a few months ago, there was a picture his family put on social media and he, he looked pretty decent and there was this really nice cake in front of him and it had the, you know, the fondant where they can make anything, like they can right. make little figures and stuff yeah. like that on top and it was a wrestling ring, it was Saturday's main event and it's Hogan and, and Funk except for like, uh, Funk's, Funk's got the belt and one over his shoulder and he's got the the branding iron and he's branding Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Apparently that stuff's not so good to eat that. Uh, yeah, you know, I think it's more to look at. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Got <laughs> that, the belt. Was, that was pretty great. So yeah, we really uh, just like kind of like when we lost Sheik, you know, it's uh, I think Sheik was probably more in our attention more for a bigger chunk of our life, but we certainly knew who Terry Funk was and I really was in awe of the 89 performances he did in the NWA with Flair and matches that he had with Steamboat, you know, Steamboat and different people. He had great matches. And again, he went on to all this hardcore stuff, and I give him credit for that. I don't really like that stuff, but, you know, he had this super long career, this great, you know, NWA champion and all that stuff. So we go from somebody who 
had a long life, very successful life, you know, stayed in the wrestling business longer than anyone probably could. We go to someone who's died way too young. Alas. Yeah. Wyndham so, Rotunda. Yeah. So Bray Wyatt was the wrestling name that I, you know, knew. And he came in right around the time that I was checking out. You know, I was no longer watching WWF and haven't really watched since around that time. And he did a lot of stuff and he made a big character for himself. I did realize I, that I kind of knew more about him than I thought because when they were, when I was seeing stuff about his death, they were talking about how he debuted with the Nexus angle. And I was still watching wrestling then and he was Husky Harris. And like, I remember that, but you know, I didn't see him come down and be like, oh, that's Bray Wyatt. Like when I saw Bray Wyatt, I didn't go, hey, that's that guy from the Nexus. I didn't put the two together because there's, you know, several years in between. And, but that name, I I somehow had never actually, I knew, of course, who he was and his lineage and who his dad was and his granddad and, and stuff like that. But I actually never heard that his first name was Wyndham. So I just thought that was really cool that they could like bring it together and, he, you know, Barry Wyndham and Mike Rotundo, Wyndham Rotundo. That's just, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> it says it all. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to really enjoy his uh, in-ring performances. But uh, with that name, I mean, these that's the opening match of Saturday Night's Main Event was Wyndham Rotunda and Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. And so uh, their presence over the WWF, Barry Wyndham, he wasn't there particularly long, not long enough. We would have liked to have yeah, seen exactly. a lot more of him in yeah. the WWF. Yeah, so that's too bad. So condolences to the families of both the Rotunda family, the Wyndham family, of course, to the Funk family. And right. Double Cross Ranch in Texas. That's a double cross ranch. So uh, just t- take a quick listen to how you can follow us on our show. So uh, Patreon, how do they find that? Yeah, so you're going to go to patreon.com. So Patreon's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com forward slash legendary wrestling obsession. And that's going to get you to the page. There's a couple of options to support us. And there's some shows there like our Growing Up AWA episodes two and three. We're about to add the Paul Orndorff episode. Shortly after that, we'll be adding a... Crockett Cup 1986 Tag Team Wrestling episode that we've done. We have a tiny bit more to edit and finish up to get that released. So that's going to be added on there. So some more content for Patreon. And that's a great way to help us keep our show going, but also to listen to extra stuff. And we also encourage people, if they know somebody who says they can't find us on their podcast app, they can go to Legendary Wrestling Obsession at podbean.com. One more place we really need some help here is just sort of the following we have a small community here and we need your help to get the word out so if you happen to be on twitter we would kindly beg you to follow us at leg that's so the for the legendary w-r-e for the wrestling obsession so ledge obsession <laughs> you can only have so many characters so couldn't ah. spell the whole thing out so if, if you could give us a follow over there, you know, like some of our stuff, you know, retweet some of that stuff. I know it, it only takes a second. It's a pain in the ass. But the more people do that, the more the algorithms kick our posts in front of people, the more people that can find the show, then we can spread this around the world. <laughs> All right, real quick, we got to get out of here. We got to wrap it up. So we're looking at our next show. We're going to be covering matches from the first part of the Summer Tour, the Great American Bash, 1986. We're going NWA, Jim Crockett Promotions. It's time to scratch that itch and get back to some great flair moments. A lot of other great stuff. Road Warriors. Our man Ricky Morton is going to play a big part of the card. And at a later part, we'll cover a, almost like a second series of matches. We'll, the later part of the summer of 86. But the Great American Bash, that was back before they were doing proper pay-per-views. So there was a VHS rental out. You can't even get that anymore. The matches are available. But we'll get into all that next week when you hear that show. But until then, 
Take care. Thanks for tuning in.